Welcome, truth seekers and paradigm shifters, to another eye-opening episode of Unlearn Everything. I'm your host, Devo, and today we're embarking on a cosmic journey into the depths of self-awareness and the mystical realms of astrology and maybe even some human design. We're joined by a very special guest. Her name is Sarah Kirby. She's from Seven Moons Astrology. Kirby, welcome to Unlearn Everything. Let's dive into the stars and beyond. So strap in, let's unlearn. You retrograde back at the end of the year and um, all of them have gotten messed up in some way. The last one, um, it was her time zone. She says, God, sorry, I, I thought it was at a different time. And then, of course, this happened with us too. So, you know, in my line of work, we we expect these things based on the the time that we scheduled it, but it's all good. I have to tell you, I expected more, a more pragmatic and scientific approach, blending your esoteric knowledge and your engineering to have this oh time zone God. precisely locked in. <sighs> I know, I know. I was like, this is a mix up that is not normal of my character, but I thank you for being so flexible with me. I- I have to say that it's a mix-up quite regularly over here. So it's oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's like, so I do a bunch of shows as a guest. I think I show up in just this last six months alone. I've probably done 30 shows or so. And I swear, every time there's a mix-up on my calendar, and I'm like, Melissa, I don't know what time the calendar is supposed to be. It says nine here. It says 10 here. It says one over here. It's like, there's some confusion. <laughs> no, so and don't nobody's on the same page. Okay. No. Okay. So when I got it, I was like, ah. Oh, same old normal. It's all good. Oh my God. Okay, cool. Well, we're here now. Um. Anyway, yeah, we need to sort out our side. I'm not really sure. So the software that I use for booking, which is what I think you use to book. Did um, you book your it, own show or did Melissa book it for you? I, I booked it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. They, they did this. They did this some upgrade about three months ago and it, it was integrated with Calendly before. And now mm-hmm. they have their own scheduling software, which for whatever reason, it doesn't integrate with my Outlook and nobody seems to have the solution to fix it. So I don't really know what to do about it. It's it, clusterfuck, actually. They always overcomplicate all of those things. Every single one of them. I use uh, Acuity scheduling and it's been pretty good, but I, I've had clients have the same issue and there's no time zone listed. I don't know when, where's the link, all of that stuff. I, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Um, Your light on you is really bright. I don't know. If Too bright? That. Yeah, you're a bit overexposed. Sorry, that's my- Is that better? That's wonderful. That's my photographer okay. coming out. I had to it's really that. rainy and dark here in Austin, Texas. Oh, I'm going to be in Austin. Uh, well, I'm not sure now. The date got pushed. But because weren't you referred to me by Nick? By Nick, yeah. Yeah, because I'm actually going down to hang with Nick for a few days. And I thought we were doing into February, but I think that got pushed. No kidding. Yeah. So where are, you, where are you located now? Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, Charlotte. Yeah. Well, if you make it to town, yeah, maybe we can all meet up for lunch. I would love to do that. Yeah, I talk with Nick all the time. I was glad he could connect us. He was insistent upon it. Oh, I love that. Is, are you, do you use him as a coach or does he use you for something? Or how does that work? This is the weirdest, most bizarre arrangement I have ever had. It like fell out of the sky. Uh, He had been following my content for a really long time. And um, I started slowing down last year, just based on some stuff that was going on in my personal life. He reached out and he said, I think I can help you. And he's like, in exchange, why don't you give me some astrology? So we've just been trading. And so I have coaching sessions with him periodically. And then, and I do chart readings for him. That's great. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah, he is. He's really smart. smart. He's one of the smartest people i've ever met yeah the, the dude has data re- retention skills like a robot i'm not even sure sometimes if he's human yeah i'm like okay mega mind 
Yeah, I'll send <laughs> him. Huge mo- I'll, I'll send him the most random questions, and he'll be like twelve paragraphs later. I'm like, is he Chat GPT? Yeah, they're they're like they got it plugged into him, Nick's head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like an archive of philosophy. What's the show Matrix where they can just plug in and just download yeah. information? Yeah. Would you one. do that if you had the opportunity to do that? Would you do that? Download? Well, I don't think that's that far away. They're talking about putting chips in our heads. Yeah, would but I do that. I don't know if it's um, so much more downloadable information as it's it's more for them to access information from you. It's the other way around. Oh yeah. They're marketing as an upgrade for you, but it's really just so they can download whatever. Yeah, you so have. they can harvest you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm suspicious like that. So I don't know if I would do it. Yeah. But so if you were to walk into like, I was out in Colorado recently and there's a dispensary on every corner. Oh yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's like churches here in the South, but if you could walk into a downloadable dispensary, in Austin, Texas, and like there's like a, just a wall of choices. Like you're ordering fast food, and you'd be like, hmm, "Which download should I get today?" And it was just you know, you know there weren't necessarily any inherent risks per se. Would you download data so you could learn something? Like you could learn kung fu. I think I would want to learn languages. That would tempt me. That's I would consider it to have all the languages. So if I always say if I ruled the world, I would require every American to spend one year abroad in a non-native speaking language. So they had to fully immerse themselves in the culture and learn the language. Wow. Did you ever do anything like that in your life? Um, I've never lived abroad, but I travel a lot. So yeah. Yeah. But I, but I don't speak any languages. I'm looking for the download store still. So okay. Well, well I've maybe maybe 15 years. What do you think before they have that for us? I think a lot. That's right. Yeah, right. I think a lot depends upon what happens in the next five years. To be honest with you, the direction, <sighs> the trajectory of where we all go as a species. Honestly, there's I think, a lot coming in the next yeah, five years. Yeah, really, for real. I think five years is like the is the tipping point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Either we don't exist, or a new a new species is is created by whoever <laughs> created us. It's now or never, folks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you would take the download. That's the question. I th- think so. I think so. I mean, I feel like I don't want to be on the record saying that now, now that I've said it out of my mouth, I'm like, uh, I don't what, what happens in the future. I'm cautious. I'm what happens to adopt? We'll yeah. What happens way. if everybody has the ability to download and then everybody is just like, everyone's just, we, we become cyborgs. Yeah. We're hyper intelligent. It's the next evolution of mankind. <laughs> mm. All right. I have to introduce you before we actually do this show. Oh, it's 10, 10. That's a good, good notch. What? Is it all right with you if I record on my end too? You can do that. Let me, can I try? And there's share, a button to record. We share the whole show with you. You know that, right? Um, I would love that. But the last one that I did, the recording got messed up on their end. And then they had asked me if I recorded and they were like, I didn't Wait. record. So girlfriend, we not, okay. one, we not one You're time. We're not amateur. Off. We've been doing this for five years. We've got, okay. We're Perfect. fully recorded right now. Okay. I don't, I think if you start recording, it takes it away from me. Oh, I don't want that then. Yeah, we have to record it because Fernando is the one who does all this for us. So, okay. Um, all right, let me introduce you. Let me just make sure I, I made a couple of notes, so I just make sure I don't forget everything. So today, what is there anything in particular that you want to dive into? For me, um, I sort of like the idea of this predeterminations uh, piece mm-hmm. that you talked about a little bit about because. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have if if fate is already predetermined, then then what's the point of free will? 
Exactly. Yeah. That you want to get into the the deep philosophy of it. Yeah. I would love to talk about that. I think um, I have your charts here. I don't know how much you would think that that is interesting for a wider audience, but your chart could be a very good example that we could use to talk about either astrology or human design. Uh, Your coordinator told me that you were, and I think Nick as well said that you would be pretty interested in the human design piece. I don't know how familiar, familiar you are with that. I'm sort of familiar with it. I don't want to go too much into human design or if we can call it a different name because I already had a human design person oh, on here and okay. she can, she confused the shit out of everybody. Um, she took us down all these different rabbit holes and I'm just like, I had to keep bringing her back in. So I'm fine if we stay and I don't, I love me a good rabbit hole, but the show was supposed to be just about human design. And we ended up talking about like rattlesnakes and I was just like all over the place. And I'm like, girlfriend, bring it right back in. So um, you can do whatever you want with it. <clears throat> I, I am very interested in it, but I just don't want to get too confused. Let me turn my lights down as well, because it's actually it's really bright. In here. Yeah. You know, I wonder if I couldn't help clarify <laughs> some of the confusion that was caused by that. Okay. Um, well, then let's do it. Because, you know, on your end, just like looking at your work and and the whole concept of unlearn everything. That's better. I can't think of anything more powerful than human design to go along with that entire premise, actually. All right. All right. Well, then let's do it. So you're going to just, I'm just going to follow your lead. It's just a conversation and you, it, it's not an interview. Um, I do yeah. have some specific questions, but I just want to have, a, obviously we already have a good conversation going. So I just want to keep it in that space. Sounds good to me. Keep it casual, you know, That's right. friendly. That's, That's right. I like the tone of your podcast because of that. Yeah, I've been on some shows. It's the craziest thing. I go on shows and people will literally ask me just straight up questions. So tell me about your creative branding and holistic. And I'm like, okay, blah, 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 blah. All right. It says, here. I'm like, dude, we just literally dropped like some serious knowledge. Let's extrapolate and break that down a little bit. And, like, and let's exchange and have a real living, breathing conversation. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. isn't, I'm not downloading data right now. I just want to have a conversation <laughs> with you. Yeah. I don't know. It can get weird. Can't get weird out there. Um. Anyway. Um. All right. Let me jump into this and introduce you. You ready? Yeah. Sounds good. Is there anything specific I need to say about you? Um. I have an engineering background, and I, you know, I'm now a practicing astrologer and human design analyst. That's maybe. You have two engineering backgrounds. Points. I have two engineering degrees. I know you better than you know I yourself. Know. I know you. We can do a, we can do a contest between me and Nick to see who's the bigger brainiac. <laughs> Between you and Nick? Between oh, are you, Nick. are you a brainiac too? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm big nerd energy over here. I love it. <laughs> All right, well, I'll try to keep up with you. Well, you you got a lot of air sign energy in your chart. Do you know about your astrology chart? Mm-mm. Okay, you're 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 in good company. We'll put it that way. You're very smart. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep you around. Good for my yeah. If I say all the things you want to hear about yourself, (laughs) that's why you can put me on retainer. That's right. (laughs) We're gonna swap some stuff as well. You're just gonna show up to everybody and say, like, listen to him, he knows everything. (laughs) But I'm not sure what like I'm not sure what gift I can give you yet. We'll see. You you have gifts. You definitely have gifts. All right, let me do this. Hello and welcome to Unlearn Everything, your portal to the path less traveled and the truths less told. How you like that? Welcome truth seekers and paradigm shifters to another episode, another eye-opening episode of Unlearn Everything. I'm your host, Devo. And today we're going on sort of a cosmic journey. 
into the depths of some self-awareness and some mystical realms of astrology. And I think we're even going to talk about a little bit of human design. I'm, I'm joined by Sarah Kirby. Uh, she is from Seven Moons Astrology. I like that name, Seven Moons. She is an engineer and an astrologer, which don't typically go hand in hand. So it's going to be interesting to uncover the esoteric with the pragmatic with her and just sort of see uh, you know her take on things. One of the things that I really like to discover is she has a, a pretty unique premise on predetermination and fate. And I want to sort of explore that with her as well as free will and how those two collide and intersect and work off each other. And then I think we're going to go into some human design and just kind of tackle that a little bit. We've done human design a couple of times on a previous show, but it just went into a different direction and everybody has their own take on it. And so I just want to get Sarah's truth on that and really just have a conversation with her. I've heard a lot of amazing things about her. It sounds like she is a brainiac. And um, if you follow her on Instagram or anywhere else, she's got a really cool page and a, a bevy of information. So, Sarah, you are here on the show. Welcome to Unlearn Everything. Thank you so much. I am pumped to be here. That was a fantastic intro. I don't know. We'll see if I can live up to it. <laughs> well, you have two engineering degrees, so we can just start with that. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that that is a weird background, right? So I, I'm not a practicing engineer anymore. Let's put it that way. But I did originally go to school for engineering and I have a, a master's in biological engineering and the bachelor's is chemical engineering. And then as soon as school was over, I said, to hell with this. I just, I need more people in my life. And it wasn't satisfying me at a deep soul level, but I'm so scientific in the way that I think. And so I, I needed to find a way to marry my interest in, frankly, the universe and how things work with my fascination with people. And, you know, originally, I mean, this is going back now, but originally I had decided to go to school for aerospace engineering. I had always wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid. There was always this fascination with the stars. But when I landed at the tech school, I thought, oh my God, this could not be more dry. This could not be more boring. It's just formula after formula. And it was devoid of the wonder that comes along with looking up at the sky and asking, what the hell is this? What is this experience of consciousness? I wanted to take it in a more esoteric way, but I didn't have a lot of options at that school for what to study. It was an engineering school. So it's not like I could pop over to philosophy. <laughs> So I stayed there, finished the degrees. And then after school ended, I thought, you know, what's next? And then after that, I went to um, business consulting. And to me, this just kind of the way that it came into my life was odd through people I knew at school. But to me, it was like, let's take the technical skills and figure out how to communicate with business folks and kind of be that intermediary. So at mm. least I have some people and I have some tech. Mm. But when the pandemic hit, you know, I thought, I, I don't like the pace at which I'm working. I don't like this grind. I can't imagine myself for decades more just doing this day in and day out. Where is the passion? And that's when I started Seven Moons. So I'd always been interested in astrology. I was introduced to it as a very young girl, always fascinated with the stars, always asking questions. And it just took me uh, some years and a weird route to get here. The a couple of things I heard you say, um, astronaut. And I wanted to just jump straight into that because I do have a general question around that. Because yeah. you and I have a, a common friend, Nick, and he and I have a – I don't have any data on this. Nick has a firm belief on it. Um, but right now there's a lot of conversation going on, at least in, in some of the, my neck of the world where I'm exploring, where there's this whole idea of a flat earth versus a not oh. flat earth. 
I have explored this, yes. <laughs> and Nick is a firm believer that there is no such thing. I have no data on it. But when you said astronaut, because I used to be really fascinated by space as well, and I still am. There's a lot of people that believe that this is that there is a firmament above us. There you, are a lot of people that believe that. Yeah. So what I just generally we don't have to go into that too deeply, but what's your what's your take on that? Well, so you said that Nick is a firm believer that of what? He believes that we're not, it's not a flat earth. So a globe. Yeah. The conventional or, wisdom. Or, or or the opposite of what I mean, I don't know if it, I don't know that he believes in the conventional wisdom of it, but he doesn't believe that that the plane of existence that we live on is flat. And I don't have an opinion one way or the other, but I do know there's a lot of evidence for both sides. So I'm just curious, but uh, specifically my question was, and I know we're going to go into this, the firmament itself, like there is no way for us to break free from something, which would, for me, would sublimate itself into sort of a reality that this is just a, this, this paradigm we live in is not actually what we've been told. You know, it's, it's I a think, simulation. Yes. Right, 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 right. And I'm not above thinking that's true. And I'm certainly not above thinking that the powers that be are lying to us about everything, including the fundamental principles of reality. So but I, I'm kind of like you that I don't have uh, necessarily a very strong opinion on whether or not it's flat or a globe, because my opinion is that what does it change? You can't prove it. What are you going to go up there and check yourself? I don't know. It, it's fun to ruminate on these things. But from my line of work, you know, astrology was a thing well before we thought that the earth was even the center of the universe, mm -hmm. right? You know, at that time we thought earth was the center. Then when we changed the model to put the sun at the center of our localized solar system, astrology didn't change. I think a lot of people would use that as a sticking point to say, Hey, Oh, we caught you. You're full of shit. But that's, it, that's not how astrology is designed in the first place because the entire underlying principle of astrology takes the map of the heavens from the perspective of earth. We are measuring the ge geometry and the alignment of the other celestial bodies from our vantage point. Therefore, whether or not I'm at the center of some massive cosmos or, you know, I'm just a section of it doesn't matter because the entire thing is localized from my, from my viewpoint anyway. So I think those are, they're fun ideas, but if I had, if I had to put my foot down, I'd say it's probably a, probably a globe. But who's to say, you know, I'm not the authority on that. Well, the reason it would matter to me is that I'm wondering if the rules of everything that you base your knowledge on would be completely non-existent if that were the case. Right. And so there, there is, um, the answer to that is no, just because when we measure the Zodiac, the entire Zodiac is based on the sun's path around the sky from earth which is called the ecliptic mm -hmm. so th there's actually and that's a word in astronomy as well not just astrology the ecliptic it's it's about what the heavens look like from earth mm -hmm. not what they objectively look like so it's a subjective view hmm. okay we can move off of that where'd you go to school i went to school at illinois institute of technology i grew up in chicagoland so that's oh, okay okay illinois and, yep. and, and now you're in texas now I'm in Texas, Austin. How, Texas. how did you get from here to there? I'm always fascinated by people's journeys. Yeah, I mean, the, the simple answer is that I was influenced by Joe Rogan. No way. <laughs> the oh, yeah, he lives. And, that's right. He's there. That's yeah, right. he did. That's and right. he started talking about it on his podcast constantly. Um, and 
I took the bait. But the more complicated answer is that I had been living in the cold for so long. I had always wanted to, to venture out of Chicago. The pandemic seemed like the perfect time because I did live right downtown in the center of the city and it became a very oppressive environment during um in Chicago. Of, yeah. Oh yeah. I was I was in Chicago in the middle of that, and you're completely right. It's a what did you think about it? It was honestly, I thought it was a scene from a science fiction movie. Oh it was, com- was scary. I was there um, with someone I was dating at the time. We, t- we took a trip out there because we had a client and we were walking through Chicago and there was like no humans anywhere. We went yeah. into the park. What time or- of year was it? Maybe April. April. of tw- we, 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 were, we were able to walk outside with like just regular. We yeah. didn't have jackets or anything on. So I'm going to say April, May probably. Yeah. It was silent. It was just, it was very eerie. And um, they really... I think they, my personal opinion is that they kept up with this restrictions far longer with far greater intensity than they needed to. And it just felt really oppressive. And it made me fear what could happen in the future, living in such a dense populated city like that. I mean, because we also had the rioting that was occurring at that time and it it was dangerous to be down there. I mean, there was crime all of the time. They were shutting down the bridges so that people couldn't leave the city. There were helicopters in the sky and it was like really apocalyptic. And I was over here looking at the transits that were occurring at that time, which was a very faded, um, intense alignments in the sky that are usually malefic in nature. What we would say in astrology, malefic, meaning they're, they're going to result in challenging hardships uh, playing out in the story of life. And, and that was certainly the case. We had Saturn and Pluto and Jupiter conjunct in the late degrees of Capricorn, which was all about um, the collapse and transformation of the larger structures of society, because that's what Capricorn represents. Capricorn is the government. Capricorn is corporation. It's the structures and bedrock around how we uh, structure and function in society. Pluto makes things die, makes things end. Pluto is our symbol. It's a planet, right? I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to say Pluto is some conscious entity. Pluto is a planet that we have empirically deduced symbolically can be tied to events of ultimate and permanent transformation. Okay. So the death and rebirth cycle, um, turning something off, turning something on total change. That's what Pluto represents. And then um, Jupiter is the largest planet in the, in the solar system. It represents growth and expansion and making things bigger. Okay. And so there was a huge, massive societal scale event that, what did it do? It affected people's, it affected people's trust in the government. It affected how we govern. It affect, it affected um, the position of the economy and the businesses within the economy. And it just totally changed the structure of our life. And I think individuals at that time looked around and said, what I've been doing for the past, maybe 20, 30 years of my life is not quite exactly aligned to me in the way that I'd like it to be going forward. And I need to make some fundamental and sometimes difficult changes to totally restructure my life. And I know many people who you know, totally changed what they were doing with their lives at that time. And I was one of them as well. And that was part of my move from, from Chicago to Austin was to come down here and to start this business. Can I unpack some of, of that? America. Yeah. Can I unpack some of that for people who aren't going to really understand that, including myself. So all of this knowledge, first and foremost, around the planets, Pluto, Jupiter, all these things, what's the source of this information? So that's like asking what's the source of pyramids. 
Well, okay. And okay. let me explain. Let me, let me, let explain me rephrase why. the, can I rephrase okay. the question then? So yeah. your knowledge about the planet Jupiter being what it was, your knowledge about Pluto being what it was around death and all the things, where does that actual information come from? Where, where, where does it originate? Okay. So, so there, that's a good question. And I'm going to answer it in the same way. And then I will unpack it. So that's like asking where did the pyramids come from? And the reason why I say that is because if you look back into ancient society, all these cultures all over the globe have pyramids. They're a little different, right? The way they built them might be a little different. The style is different. What they represent is different. The size is different, but they've popped up in cultures all over from since antiquity. Astrology is like that. Every single culture has a form of astrology. There's Vedic astrology in the East. There's Hellenistic astrology, which is what I practice, which originates from the Hellenistic era, a blending of Greek um, and Egyptian cultures about 2000 years ago. But the, the point is that people always looked up and said, what is out there and what is going on and how does it relate to me? Now, thousands of years ago, the astrologers and the astronomers were the same people. Okay, and it's actually the uh, beginning of what we now call modern psychology. Carl Jung, in fact, this famous psychologist, used to study the astrology charts of his clients on the side when he was interpreting their dreams. So, you know, these these used to be the same person, right? The person who was mapping the heavens and doing the math and, you know, making uh, maps for sea travel on Earth, all of that. It was the same people. But... The simple answer to your question is that it is information that we derive through observation. It's an empirical technical art. That's how I would call it, an empirical technical art. So what happens is I look up over a very long period of time in the sky and I see, okay, that's Jupiter. I've, you know, or it's an unnamed planet. I don't know what it is, right? But there's a body in the sky. And every time it's in this particular section of the sky, these things occur in my life or these things occur in my village. And after millennia of doing this, we start to see a theme emerge and we can notice patterns. And from there, we can assign symbols and archetypes and that's what astrology is. It's archetypal thinking. It takes the field of consciousness and it assigns groups and sections and patterns and symbols to help structure a vocabulary by which we can describe our conscious experience hmm. at every level. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And, and, I'm actually reading a lot of Graham Hancock right now, and mm. I'm familiar. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Yes. Um, he had a popular Netflix show, but he's got a bevy of books. And one of the things that um, I've been learning through him, as well as through a bunch of other stuff that I've been diving into, is that this astrology concept was actually given to us by whomever, because there were ancient civilizations, as you just referenced, right? Mm -hmm. And these ancient civilizations, perhaps, have have existed for millennia beyond what this current human civilization is like we know for a fact now you, you you mentioned the pyramids we know for a fact that the pyramids are dated significantly earlier than, than what yeah. like egyptologists tell us and and to your right. point those pyramids um, what i'm learning is they're they are all over the world like especially here in america i don't think a lot of people realize that some of the larger collection of ancient megalithic structures are here in america south america asia all over the world yes. But, and there's still pyramids in, in yeah. the Yucatan that haven't been yeah. uncovered. Yeah, absolutely. But what's crazy to me, 
what's crazy to me is that um, this modern civilization, specifically the Catholic Church, built all of their new structures on top of the existing in order to hide them from from Bingo. common knowledge. Bingo. It's crazy to it, me. That's exactly where I was going to go next because it explains like I think it was Graham Hancock that said we're a species with amnesia, right? <laughs> and I think the the Catholic Church has a lot to do with uh, why we have that amnesia, and and it's not all their fault. I think the amnesia goes way farther back than that. But uh, I was just visiting Italy this past a holiday season, and where were I you? The utmost I was just in Italy. I, I was in Rome. Where hmm. were you? I was in Rome. I did not like Rome. You didn't like Rome. I thought no. it was so beautiful. I didn't say it wasn't beautiful. I just didn't like Rome. There was too many people. What did people. you like about it? Well, first of all, I thought the people were very rude. And really? Yes, they were. I did not find the people to be rude, um, to be friendly, but I did love most of everywhere else I was in Rome. Sorry, different topic. I just really, I just found Rome to be, I don't know. There were way too many people, way too many car honking. And I just found the people not to be very friendly, but I love Naples. I loved Sicily. I loved everywhere else I went. Absolutely just well, loved it. You know, I, I can't say I share the same experience, but I didn't get to compare it to other towns in, in Italy. I went to Florence and I thought Rome was much better. So, you know, we hmm. were also there in kind of an off season. So I, I doubt it was as crowded as it might normally be. Anyway, you were saying you were just in Rome. Sorry, I interrupted you. I had to share that common insight with you. Well, yeah. I mean, I think my only point with that is that I have the utmost, utmost respect for Catholicism and and. Rome really showed that to me, just getting to visit the the Vatican and everything. However, the rule of Constantine does have a lot to do with the the mm. loss of information that we have um, with astrology. We do actually have a, a giant gap in the text and information that we have available to us, just because of how much he, uh, you know, burned the books, so to speak, and and exiled astrologers and demanded that these practices stop. But you you can even look in the Bible and um, when they talk about the Magi or the three wise men. Um, many translations of the Bible will footnote that particular line. You can look this up. And um, the footnote for Magi or Wiseman was uh, royal astrologers. Mm. And think about it. They were seeing a star in the sky that had predicted the coming of the Messiah. They were studying the heavens and following the path. So, you know, I think um, if you if you go back far enough and you do enough digging, Astrology is intricately woven into spirituality and uh, the study of the universe at the deepest level. And um, we've we've been manipulated otherwise, I think. Here's a crazy fact that I just learned uh, concerning manipulation. Uh, I'm, I'm studying right now <laughs> Jesus. And have you ever heard of the, the character? I, I don't know how to say it. Thoth? Thoth? Are you familiar with Thoth? Thoth, Thoth yeah. So I'm listening to uh, a reading, a, a, an audible book right now from, you ever heard of Billy Carson? I haven't. Man, Billy Carson is a uh, different level. But anyway, he's doing a comparison between Thoth potentially being Jesus. You know, I think he would like, have you ever seen the Zeitgeist, the movie? Yeah. No, I've not. I've heard of it, but I've not seen Z it. Zeitgeist, the movie, I think you would really like um, because it essentially is you know, a two hour long documentary talking about how every single religion is talking about the same thing and they all have a figure <laughs> representing God and it all means the same thing. And yeah. astrology essentially would be the same because the sun, our sun in the sky would represent the the force, the vital life force of creation, the God mm -hmm. energy, the Godhead. And mm -hmm. that's the same thing as saying the sun, the father and the son in Christianity. And and so that movie could explain it much better, but I think that would be right up your alley. Yeah. Like the, the Holy Trinity. 
Yeah, just the I mean, and it Holy goes. Ghost. Yeah, and it goes far beyond Christianity, talking about Eastern religions and you know everything under the sun, connecting all the dots between all of them, and it's really well, cool. Well, what where I was going with the Holy Trinity is that Catholicism took that and and reframed it for their own context, but it really centers around some of the stuff that you're doing, which is sort of the mind body spirit connection, and they they yes. it to God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Holy Ghost. But where I was going with the Jesus and Thoth is that there is a known gap roughly around Jesus's life at 12 years old, where he just disappeared. And according to this theory, and there's a lot of evidence now to support it, that Jesus, which well, his, his real name is Yeshua. Jesus is just right. a made up name. Yeshua disappeared around 12 and he went to Egypt where he learned the mystery schools. And then from there, he went to India where he learned all the Eastern mysticism. And then from there, he went to Tibet where he learned how to interpret the stars and understand astrology and all these things. And then he brought that back to the Hebrew world or to the sort of the um, Sumeria, which is where that area was. And one of the things you'll love this. One of the things that he talks about in this, um, uh, in this book is that, Jesus familiarity with sort of understanding the astrology and, mm -hmm. and, the, and the deeper meaning of, of how that impacts the planet, for example, like ley lines and energies and vortexes yes. and all those yes. things. So it's just a fascinating concept. You know, and I, I, I love that kind of stuff and I would love to, to learn more about that. And I think the, the thing that can really trip some people up is that we've heard so long from religious leaders that Astrology should be considered something, uh, let's say, taboo or occult or evil or satanic or witchcraft and spirits, all of that. Um, and so I will oftentimes get people who are curious and who have started to uh, see the effectiveness or see the patterns in their own lives. You know, their eyebrows start to raise, but then they feel a lot of inner conflict because, you know, they've grown up with these kinds of ideas their whole life around astrology being um let's say dangerous and uh we'll point to scriptures saying that uh you should not listen to the astrologers or whatever it is the, the way that i interpret um, what the bible says or you know what religious teaching says about astrology is that one should never let um any type of predictive model or any type of philosophical tool rank above the genuine mystery and power of whatever created the conscious experience, which you could call God in this case. So I think astrology can be dangerous because I've seen people get so out of body, spun up and anxious, trying to be certain about what we cannot be certain about <laughs> the future. Right. So I think it's more a message about how to use astrology and how to rank it and to be a person who ultimately is an observer of your own life and um, submitted to inevitability. We'll put it that way. You can't control the future. What always cracks opinion. me up is the hypocrisy around everything you just said. Not your hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of the church. How they can say that witchcraft or astrology or something of those of those nature, which which is esoteric, is any more egregious than me having to believe in what they told me oh. and that it's, that isn't esoteric. Like I'm supposed to put my faith in your esoteric nonsense, but what I believe in is bullshit <laughs> and, and requires me to get burned at a stake. Like I never understood how people just sort of bought into the hypocrisy of that. Like how is your belief in, in a, in a Bible that you basically paraphrase from the scripture that's thousands of years precedes yours. Yeah. How is that more 
how is that more acceptable than what I, I just never understood that. Like right. I used to, oh, my totally. dad used to, when I was, a, I'm, I'm one of 12 kids. You're going to love this. Wow. My dad used to make us sit around in the living room um, every night and he would break out the Bible and he would make us read this scripture. And then we would have to read the scripture and then we would have to interpret it, our understanding. And if my dad didn't like the understanding of it, we would get in trouble. Oh, and, Yeah. But I always had these like crazy interpretations of it. And I, I was always wrong. Like everything that I thought what I was reading was wrong and I could never understand. It. And I always be like, dad, that's not what it says. What you just said, it doesn't say anything of that nature. And why, why does this, like, I never understood why my belief was l more egregious than what the scripture said, yeah. just because you're saying it is, it's like, I never understood that. So we're getting off topic, but no, it's I mean, I think that's a really important, I think that's a really important topic because it, um, it's something that a lot of people experience that pushes them away from Christianity and gets us all confused. You know, I, and I'm sorry you had that experience and I had similar experiences as well. And you're totally right. It is, you know, hypocrisy. When I was standing in the Vatican, I looked at what they were doing in the Catholic church and, you know, they were running a sermon or some kind, I don't know what they were doing in there, but I looked straight at the altar and I thought that looks like magic to me. Yeah. What you're doing up there. There's a lot <laughs> it of, it looks like there, a ritual to me. Yeah. There's a lot of actual, believe it or not, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but there's a lot of Satanism, if you will, built into a lot of their symbology. If you've been to the Vatican oh, yeah, and I've seen noticed, some yeah. of the stuff that they have from, from the altars to some of the, some of the stuff that they say and read, like wh where, where do the lines get blurred? And you can go take that conversation really, really deep going way back. Like I've listened to, it's not Graham Hancock, but I've listened to people like Paul Wallace and stuff. Have you ever heard of Paul Wallace? I haven't. Man, we got to get connected on some of these things. Um, Paul Wallace does a lot of work on astrology and the universe and ley lines and energy. And because he used to be a former Catholic, um, he was a Catholic minister for some, okay. I, I forget. He was wow. like, a, he trained up and coming Catholic priests, but he became so confused by the actual origin of the scripture and how much how much had been removed from the Bible for reinterpretation that he started diving down those channels. And one of the things that he found was that perhaps the whole idea of good and evil and God and the devil have been reversed. Yes. So, yeah. Like, so the whole idea, like the church reversed those around for their own. It's parent. an inverse. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that before too. And then like Lucifer being the, the light bringer and yeah, all of yeah, that, yeah. you know, I think as a child though, you're looking at the Bible and you have your own interpretation of what you're reading. And it's such a beautiful Testament to the entire idea that the text is the living word of God. And he wants a personal relationship with you or any of these ancient texts that we have, you know, we have our own individual experience of that. And that can lead us to our unique path. And I, I think, it's a shame that we try to control the way people interpret and understand because one of the gifts of my work and what I've learned from what I've studied is it, like I said before, it taught me to think in archetypes and symbols. So now if I read the Bible or I look at any type of religious text, I'm, I'm looking at it in a much more esoteric zoomed out way. And it's, it takes, it frees me of things having to be literal. Mm. And it touches me in a deeper place and it has more of, it's not objective truth, but it's something, something more like a creative or artistic truth or like a soul truth. It's a different kind of truth, if you know what I mean. I think it's, I do know what you mean. I, I, I've always thought that Bible, and I've contended this for a very long time, um, that it was more of just a metaphorical interpretation. And those yeah. metaphorical interpretations are completely subjective based upon who's reading it. It's sort of like that whole idea of, 
when the student is ready, the message will arrive, messenger will arrive. Right. That's how I see the Bible. And a lot of that is that you're only able to interpret it at your level of understanding. Right. Yes. And as your level of understanding and your context around that increases and deepens, your level of understanding correlates with it. So, you know, because if I read the Bible today, which I still read the Bible today from a standpoint of like research and trying to understand it as compared to like all the other stuff I'm reading, mm-hmm. every time I read it or every time I read scriptures and I'm supported by something else that I read that was based upon a similar interpretation of it, my understanding of that completely evolves. Does that make yes. sense? So, yeah, because every time that's... you revisit the text, it it, yeah. it grows with you. So yeah. I think that's the whole point of the Bible is it was a guide and a, and sort of a beacon of truth to serve as an interpretive mechanism for you to grow along with it. Is that that's like my interpretation of it? Right, and I would say, you know, based on my interpretation of the Bible, what is said in there is that the astrologers interpret and the heavens exist in the way that they do to help us interpret what has happened in the past, what is happening now, and what will happen in his plan in the future, but that we should never uh, claim to know more or claim more than he does or more than um, to claim to have the ability to change or influence it necessarily in some way, which is where that fate and free will conversation comes up again. So which brings me back to you. Um, if I can, if I may, you went down this path of engineering and mm-hmm. this this whole idea of, of of more of a pragmatic approach to things, right? And you said something at the outset, which I didn't quite comprehend or understand. You said you wanted to be around people more. So were you thinking that your direction towards engineering was going to put you in sort of a, a cubicle in the basement working somewhere? What did, the, what did you exactly mean by that? Yeah. So, you know, when I was in college, I had spent some time working in a biology lab as a lab manager, studying some really cool things. You know, we were working on tissue engineering. We were trying to 3D print cartilage for uh, surgeons to use on the table in the operating room. They could open your knee up to repair an injury and see exactly what kind of shape you needed, you know, be able that that was the idea. Anyway, are we there yet? No, you know, it was really cool material, but what it consisted of was staring into microscopes, heads Mm. down in the books Mm. in a lab alone, uh, reading papers all day, writing grants all day. Uh, I can take a lot of that and I can enjoy it because I, but what I was really interested in in becoming a scientist or an engineer was I wanted to think about the way that things work. And I realized through my study of biology and chemistry and all the science behind it, that the field of exploration that I was most interested in pursuing was consciousness so who do I have to pay attention to people and they are what I wanted to study and I needed more social interaction than what I was finding in those kinds of careers you know the job offers that I had after college were to to run labs you know I got an offer from a a distillery which um, you know produced all of the country's Smirnoff ice and I was going to run their lab I, I didn't you know cool very cool but I don't really think I'm the kind of person who wants to wear a hard hat all day in a lab, to be honest. How did you, how did you get to that point? Bless you. How did you get to the point of having any sort of interest in this? Was your upbringing of, are you okay? Oh yeah. Sorry. It's just the cedar allergies here in Austin. Oh. I thought you were just deeply touched by the podcast so far. Yeah. I'm just crying because I'm unlearning everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, the sarcasm in that. How did you get from a point of where you are right now 
And I'm just kind of just use myself as an example because my entire life, I was never taught anything that we're talking about right now. I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. Of this. I knew nothing of esoteric knowledge. I knew nothing of mm-hmm. manifestation. I knew nothing of like a deeper meaning. I knew mm-hmm. sort of like a, a, a very funnel based knowledge of this is what you do. This is the path you're going to take. This is where you're going to go after this. Then you're going to do that. And then that's all there is to it. And so I sort of followed that for a large, for the, honestly, for like 30 years, I followed that. I got yeah. married. I had two kids. I had two and a half dogs. I lived in a big house, white picket fence, all that sort of stuff. I never knew any of this other stuff even existed. Truly, literally no knowledge of it. So was your understanding of what you understand now, had you had an interest peaked early on in your life? Like how did you just said you really wanted to work with consciousness? Well, where did that even come from? Because if you yeah. follow, if you followed a more pragmatic approach, like I did, you know, you went to school, you got your degree, blah, blah, blah. Right. But how did you move into that different side of, of the things? Mm. Where did that even come from? What was your what first did- exposure for that? Yeah. What an insightful question. I really appreciate that question. It's very thoughtful. Um, I, I'd like to think that I came out questioning. I came out of the womb questioning. From day one? Yeah, because I remember being a young child. All I wanted to think about was, what is this? Where are we? Who's doing the thinking? What am I perceiving? I was just always asking those questions. But I was raised in an environment that fostered that curiosity. And the the my first introduction to astrology came from my grandmother. She and I were born on the same day. We have the same birthday. So we share a lot in common astrologically because it's based on time of birth. But she and I, um, well, she just used to foster it out of me. She gave me an astrology book. She would talk about these things with me, but I don't, I guess I'm going to go on record saying this. I have a very odd family. Is and grandma still with us? Sorry. Is grandma's she no longer with us, okay. mm-hmm. but it was commonplace in my family to experience, um, I guess, poltergeist or um, unexplainable phenomenon. And I had witnessed it many times. I had heard many, many stories of it. It was just something that my family knew that happened. I wasn't the first astrologer in the family. My great aunt was also a practicing astrologer. You know, they were showing me the Ouija board when I was a kid, which I would not recommend anyone get involved in. I mean, there was just, this was just part of the culture I was raised in. So, but I was also raised Christian at the same time. And I was just an oxymoron, isn't it? It's been an oxymoron the entire time. And so, you know, the interest in space was always there. And, you know, I was part of the generation where, you know, I had YouTube when I was 10. So I would go on YouTube. I started watching Carl Sagan videos Mm -hmm. from his um, original Cosmos series. Mm -hmm. And I would just wonder and wonder. I had a telescope for Christmas when I was uh, 13 years old and I would go outside and I would look at the planets and I was just fascinated with it. And I thought the, the thing to do was to go to school, to be an engineer, to become an astronaut. And it was only once I got there that I started pivoting and trying to switch because it wasn't giving me that feeling of wonder anymore. It wasn't giving me that feeling of fascination. And that's the call that I was staying aligned to the whole time. Hmm. So you brought it upon yourself. I did. See, I had similar bring, upbringing in the sense that I was always curious and questioning everything, but I didn't follow that curiosity. I followed the the more pragmatic path that I just, I just didn't know anything else existed. So I'm fascinated that you had the wherewithal and sort of the the moxie to understand that and step out of it by yourself. It's, it's pretty, it took me 30 years to figure it out. 
And that's no coincidence that it took you 30 years to figure out. There's actually something about your energy field, which if, if we could take it to human design for one moment, I'll connect it to um, what is called the profile in human design, which is sort of a description of uh, your personality. And it is for you, the six two profile. And to parallel this with astrology, you're an Aquarius rising and moon. Okay. So I'm going to connect the two of these right now, Aquarius and what it means to be an Aquarius rising or moon and what it means to be a six profile in human design. I would describe this as a, a long-term process of evolution and discovery. Why? Because Aquarius energy is governed by Saturn. It's connected to the planet Saturn or the archetype of Saturn. Saturn is about long-term cycles. It's about what takes what we can build only after a serious long investment. The reason why is because Saturn was the final planet we can see with the naked eye. So when we were originally studying the planets in the heavens, Saturn appeared to be the limit of the visible universe. Okay, so it's considered the end of things. It, it's considered to be the farthest point. You have to go far away over a long time to reach these destinations. Aquarius and Capricorn, but Aquarius for you, these are signs connected to Saturn, meaning you're walking through a long evolution of self-discovery, okay? So that's the same thing as saying you're a sixth line in human design. The cycle of Saturn is 30 years long. So your life is set up in such a way where the first 30 years of your life, aka the first Saturn of cycle, or the first cycle of Saturn for you, is all about figuring out and discovering what does not work. What does not work for you? Who you are not. Who is not for you? What work is not for you? What you don't like? Which approaches is, in life are not going to work for you? This is specific to you. And this is predetermined just for me? This is what I can understand about you and your life path based on your time of birth your time and date and location of birth, your astrology and human design charts. And that's predetermined for me. I would say the answer to that question is yes. And then what happens from about 30 to 50 years of age is you take a step back and you go, wow, everything I just did from year zero to 30 taught me a lot, but wasn't the right approach. In these next 20 years, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to reevaluate and I'm going to learn everything I, I can. And I'm going to open my, my constructs of how reality works and who I might be and, and what I might do and who could be right for me. And then you, you reach such a rich, richness of self-understanding from 50 onward that you step into what I would call or what human design would call the role model phase of your life. So from 50 on, you become a true role model of genuine authenticity and um, true self-expression. And then for you to start a line of work where the entire premise for the podcast is unlearn everything is so specific to you because that's the perfect title for the process of your life essentially. First 30 years, I'll do everything they tell me. 30 through 50, I'm going to say, wow, I got to unlearn everything they taught me because it wasn't right. It wasn't who I am. It doesn't work for me. It's not necessarily the only truth or the only path. And then you step forward in a way where you can share that and live that authentically. And that's what the, the life path looks like when you have a six in your profile for human design, or um, another way to say that based on your astrology is that you, you are Aquarius rising. So you have a long-term process of coming to 
your own personal liberation and authenticity by this, questioning everything. Th this, thank you for, for that, that breakdown. This six line, the six, what can you break that down? What exactly does that mean? Cause can I just give you some odd quirk to that? Um, yeah. I, my entire life, I, I've, I've played sports most of my life since I was, that was sort of like my outlet out of like, college got me, I got into college because I was an athlete, for example. Okay. But my number in playing has always been a six or a rumination of six. So I've always okay. been the number six or 33. Those were always oh. my numbers. Okay. And I've never understood why, but those were just the numbers that I've always been, I've been given for some re re weird reason. Mm -hmm. Does that have anything to do with what you just said? The Would you call it six line? Is that the word you said? The sixth line. Yeah. So, so the lines come from, so when we look at the Zodiac in the sky, right, it's, we're just trying to map it out. So essentially what I'm doing is I'm just looking at the sky above me and dividing it into sections. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's 360 degrees, right? Because it's a circle around me, 360 degrees of sky. And uh, the lines in human design are the smallest division of the sky possible. And they correspond to a couple degrees each. And so essentially this is, this is just, this could get exhaustingly detailed. And I don't know that that's what we want to do here today, but essentially what it is, is uh, this, being a six line profile is a reference to the exact position that the sun was in for you when you were born. Hmm. And it, it gives it a specific archetype or color to the expression of who you are. You're, you're a six, two, you get, you get two numbers to describe um, your profile in human design. The first being a representation of your conscious personality, the six, and the second being a, a representation of your unconscious personality. So maybe not as obvious to you, the two. And that's um, whether or not that has to do with the fact that sixes have always been your number. I mean, I don't know that I could, I will say that I've personally experienced things like that all the time, but I don't know that I could say that that is anything other than, um, you know, the wonder of being a conscious being and how patterns seem to emerge all of the time. How does what you're doing correlate with numerology? It does and it doesn't. You can practice it without any awareness of numerology. And there are astrologers who incorporate numerology. I haven't lifted that can of worms yet because there's enough material with astrology and human design for to last me an entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. I am a novice with numerology and I do understand it. I think it can resonate. It can be true. It can apply. I've seen it certainly apply to uh, the numerology of the address of where you live has been really resonant for me personally, but that's something that I use for fun because I don't show it. I don't see it giving the same level of depth as astrology and human design do. I don't see it as being quite as technical or empirical as astrology or human design. However, if you got a numerologist on here, I'm sure he or she would disagree with me and be able to tell you a lot more. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm wondering with your engineering background, if you understood that, if there is, or if you had a correlation or a connection around it, because where I'm going with that question is that when you talk to a lot of people who don't have cosmology knowledge or don't have any sort of frame of reference for this, right? Like you do, or, and I, I'm, I've dabbled in it and I certainly um, I'm intrigued by it. I don't have a lot of knowledge, but if I were to take what I know about it, and I just had a conversation like this the other day with somebody, and I was sort of telling them what I understood about astrology and how it connected with 
some, you know, some of the buildings, for example, some of the pyramids, like we know for a fact that diagram- they were aligning it to the skies. Yeah, yeah. Literally like, like down to like the most infinitesimal yeah. number that we right. couldn't, that we as, that we as engineers today, given all the technology- Can't even replicate. We, like, yeah. It's like something we, and they've attempted it. Like it's not even possible. Right. But my, but what I always found interesting is that if, when I share that sort of information with somebody else, especially if they have a really strong um, theologic, theologic background, they just sort of dismiss it as like woo-woo. And I hate that term, woo-woo, but they just dismiss it as that. But it's interesting to me that with your background from engineering, which is this sort of principled, pragmatic, scientific yes. approach to things, how you have melded that with this astrology with which to the common person, the lay person, they just sort of see that as like, you know, somebody sitting inside of a room reading palms and making ridiculous right. predictions, but it's right. not. So it's so not, how, no, it's not. So how do the two worlds come together for you? How does, how does science pragmatism and this esoteric knowledge that is ancient, just ancient, ancient, how do those two mm -hmm. come together for you? Oh, this is a fascinating question. I'm going to answer it on a couple different levels. What I think right now and what the, the current thesis is on how this might work, how does like, how does it actually work that we could sit here? I mean, if we want to suspend disbelief for a second and say that astrology works, right? So something about the position of the sky at the time and location of your birth is going to say something about who you are, the way your personality is, the way your life will unfold. If we can just suspend disbelief and say for a minute that that is true, how could that be true? Why would that be true? How is that happening? Well, the modern thesis on that is that uh, it has to do with the neutrino stream. So the subatomic sub sub particles that are um, in the universe being emanating from these bodies of matter, right? That are in the sky. And so- God, I wish my teacher were here to explain this. There's an idea that, well, the first supposition is that consciousness is the fundamental basis of reality. So now you want to go quantum, right? So this is like as shocking of a re revelation as that perhaps the earth is not flat or perhaps the earth is not the center of the universe. My idea, my entire philosophy is based on the fact that Consciousness is the fundamental element of the universe, not matter. So right now, what do the physics physicists say? The physicists say that first there was nothing. Suddenly there was everything. And now eventually that matter aligned itself in all these different ways over millions of years until suddenly it became conscious. All of these particles emitted from the sun shaped into molecules that suddenly became conscious. I don't think that's right? I think as time goes on, we're going to see that consciousness is a stream or field of energy that with the force of observation collapses things into material manifestation or matter. And and that's the split experiment. You talking about the double slit experiment? The double slit experiment. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what you just said, they're, all, they're already proving that to be right. true. So yeah. And so if that's true, then what that would mean is that something about there being matter, concentrated matter in the form of planets in the sky. It interrupts the neutrino stream in such a way that it interfaces with our consciousness and gives it a certain imprint or pattern. I couldn't even attempt to explain these things or say that I'm sure about it. All I can tell you is that it seems to work. 
it seems to work. So I have more questions and eventually I hope we can answer these things. But what I do is I look at the chart that is generated to reflect the position of the planets at the time of your birth. And I'm then able to use empirically gathered evidence over millennia about what each planet and sign represents to create a constellation in my head around who you are, your personality, and what events might occur in your life and when. So there's timing, there's math, there's measurements, there's synthesis, but it's more like a psychology than it is uh, a chemistry. So can I go back to that double slit experiment for a minute? Are you able to Let's break do that it. down and understand how that works? So for the for the layperson who doesn't understand it fully, can you explain the experiment? Yeah, I will do my best. And uh, and, and and sorry, don't just explain it, but the impact that has on our understanding of physics, quantum physics, these neutrinos, all energy, particles, et cetera. Yeah, it changes everything. So essentially what they do is they shoot light through uh, a piece of, you know, some type of obscure blocked surface that has two slits in it and they shoot light through it. And then they measure on the other side of that, that frequency of light. And what they determined is that when they were watching, AKA when they were measuring, the light would become a particle. And when they weren't measuring, the light stays a wave. So light is really interesting because light is both a wave and a particle, meaning it's both an energy and matter at the same time. So it's matter and it's not at the same time is what we're saying philosophically. And what we notice through this experiment is that when we observe, when consciousness observes, aka when we are measuring, light behaves like matter, like a particle. And when we're not, light behaves like a wave like pure energy. And so what that means is that conscious observation or measurement is influencing the way reality behaves. Meaning that consciousness has some kind of power to create the way that reality behaves. So it's it's a really uh, shocking paradigm shift because if we can just measure at the quantum level, Everything is energy, everything is light, everything is information, and consciousness is what is influencing it to behave the way that it does. So how does that, how does the convergence of that knowledge contradict, I'm not saying it does or doesn't, but how could that contradict what you believe in sort of a predetermined fate? Because by the very nature of that experiment, it says right. to me, in my interpretation, that nothing is fixed. Everything is in fluid motion, and therefore I could change the outcome of something based upon my own observation of how I think it should appear or how it how it will appear. That's a good that's a good point. And I understand exactly what you're saying, and you could be right about that. But my my personal I don't know that I am. I'm. Just, it's a question. Right. I think we're just we're just talking. I think my conclusion on that is that. In order for me to agree that I could personally influence my reality and change the outcome as an individual, I would have to know how it was that me looking at the light collapsed it into a particle. And I don't know how I'm doing that. And I wouldn't claim to say that I am doing that. And there are things in my life that seem to occur regardless of how I'm thinking about them or what I'm wanting them to be. And so I think there is 
a type of consciousness. My personal belief is that there's a type of consciousness that supersedes our individual consciousness that is doing the measurement. And I would call that God. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's God's plan. That's God's observation. That that That's how God designed it to be. And we're made in his image. What is God to you? The force that created everything around me so that I am experiencing it. But what is that? I, I have no... I have what, no what's its origin clue. and what created it? That's the essential question, right? I don't think anyone can answer that. Not even the scientists that call the Big Bang. I mean, it was Joe Rogan that said on his podcast that scientists expect, they want you to give them one miracle. They can explain everything, but they want you to give them one miracle, which is that there was absolutely nothing until suddenly there was a bang and there was absolutely everything. I mean, that's just as crazy as saying like, you know, what we were talking about earlier, the Bible or the Catholics wanting you to believe that everything they're saying is is okay, but your interpretation is not right. You know, it's a it's a crazy idea. There was nothing and then there was everything. Sounds like a Genesis story to me. Can I explain how I understand it? Let's hear and, it. And tell me where my holes are. So the best explanation I've ever read or heard or understood is that let's just use you and me right now as an example. We wanted to experience something. And so we set out to experience it. And we only set out to experience it in the only way we know how, which is to engage in something. So God in its its infiniteness set out to experience itself. And the only way that it could experience itself was sort of by recreating itself in as many forms as possible so that mm-hmm. it, it could experience what the form that it created experienced. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I would say that astrology aligns with that in the sense that then each moment in time a.k.a. each position of the heavens in the sky, which is really just a clock of time, is giving me, is giving God another manifestation of infinity by which to experience itself. Because each person is unique and a reflection of that exact moment in time measured by the the birth chart. And so I, I think that could very well be true. And then on the other hand, you know, the string theorists are saying like, this is all a computer. It's a, it's more of a, you know, computer digitalized simulation and God is some person on the other end writing the program of life. And maybe there's an entire other universe that created this one where we're all just Sims in their game. Maybe that's true too. I mean, who's to say who God really is. But even if it is that case, it's, it's still phantasmical in it, in the very oh, idea yeah. of what it is. Like, we're creating our own little simulations here on earth as humans. We do it every day in the lab. We do it in our science. We do it in every little facet of our lives. We're creating our own simulation. If you, I mean, living in my house here and I have my own little sort of simulation that I've created and all the different activities and I have two kids and the things that they're doing and all the different stuff. Like it's almost on a small, smaller micro macro scale, the same thing to me. So I don't really, I'm not really sure how it matters in, in the sense like it is what it is. I agree with you. And that's how I feel about the, is the earth flat or round thing? And, and, and it's, it's fun to talk about it and I like noodling on it, but you know, then you get, you get into more philosophical or moral questions. It's like, is it good? Is it not good? Is it, is it neutral? Uh, Or is there good and evil? Is the simulation out to get us? Does the simulation want the best for us? Do we have a loving God or not? You know, it's, I mean, those questions, you could ask them all day, every day for the rest of your life and never find a true answer. 
I don't know if it matters in the scheme of things, but the whole idea of the flat earth and and the round ball and floating in space and there's a firmament or not a firmament, for me, it really matters only from the standpoint of why I started this podcast, because I started to realize that everything that I have been told, every piece of literature, every piece of history, every piece of economics, micro, macro, literally everything that we have been told was shifted for to fit into a unique perspective that somebody else wanted us to understand how mm-hmm. things operated. So, for example, you talked about maps and 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 astrology and all those things early in the conversation. You know, one of the things that I'm starting to understand now is that the concept of the earth in of itself is completely skewed and what we know in terms of land masses and who you know how they're all interconnected and what existed like Antarctica for example. You know why are we not allowed to explore Antarctica in its in its mass? Why are why are there no fly zones, for example? Why are we not allowed to? to and so, if you look at like piriform, I forget his name's piriformis. Is that right? The the maps, Irie, What's the name of the guy? The original map maker. Have you heard of this story? So we we I might now, have, but I don't we, know. We, we now have evidence, un, unmistakable evidence that shows that there are maps that existed well before the current knowledge of the maps that we have today, going back. To some, you know, several only several hundred years that existed that showed different land masses on this planet that that no longer suddenly exist. And so, where are those land masses? And some could argue, you know, the land, the, the water has risen and fallen, and all these mm, different things. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but the point where I'm going with this is that on those maps they were tied to astrological form formations as well. And so they were able to understand latitude and longitude, for example, thousands of years before we claimed they could. And that latitude and longitude was based upon um, them mapping the stars and being able to understand you know, where those lines intersected and whatnot. And so my, my point is, is that the engineering background that you have and the astrology background, they when, when I first read your profile, I was like, okay, that's an interesting interesting didactic perspective but the more i started diving into it and realizing like they are directly connected they they, like literally they sort of feed off of one Mm -hmm. another like Mm -hmm. what science and spirituality are one and the same to me they they both have they both have a perspective and so in your work it's interesting that you've taken those two because a lot of people just sort of pick one corner of the world and blame right and and you've picked two sandboxes and melded them together and so I, i'm just curious in your experience in working with people when you come at it from this perspective how is it typically greeted and and how receptive are people to this and i'm just i'm just curious how it works yeah for well you know what i hear from people why they come to me it's very common that what i hear is uh, oh my gosh it's so practical it's so ta- it, it's so actionable. You're saying it in plain language. You're saying it in language I can understand. Now, I mean, there's a lot of vocabulary and it can be very confusing. And I think it's, some of the reason why astrology is put in that uh, woo-woo bucket is because there, there's just so much vocabulary and people don't understand what anyone is saying, especially when it appears to directly contradict physics. Like when someone says Mercury is retrograde, it's going backwards in the sky. Well, it, it's a nomenclature issue because I'm not actually saying that I believe it's possible for Mercury in its orbit orbit to halt and then go the other direction. That That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is from our vantage point on Earth, Earth overtakes Mercury in its orbit. 
And it's like when you're passing a truck on the highway, suddenly it looks like the wheels start spinning the opposite direction. Mercury appears to be moving backward in its normal path from our point. And, and so I think that gets confusing. And when I break those things down for people, it allows them to understand astrology using their logical mind, not just their abstract mind. And I think that helps people feel like they have more of a foothold in what the material is so that there, it can be easier for their mind to accept it long enough to find the rich wisdom that it can provide for your life spiritually. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense, which is interesting because one of the things I wanted to ask you to do is sort of break those down and what that actually, what that vernacular means for me. So when someone says Mercury is in retrograde, what exactly does that mean and implications for me and why should I take note of it? And and what are sort of, when I see that Mercury is in retrograde, I just sort of see it, okay, that's something Sarah, she's that weird weird woman out there who has all these really weird, weird ideas about how the world universe, and I'm, I guess I'm, I guess my computer's not supposed to work today. What what exactly does that mean, right? Right. So, well, Mercury through the empirical process, so years of studying what happens on Earth and in our lives when Mercury is in certain positions in the sky or doing certain things, uh, we've deduced that Mercury is the symbol representing all aspects of consciousness related to communication. So Mercury is about the exchange of ideas, writing, talking, interviewing, thinking, reading, studying. Mercury is also connected to everything having to do with transportation. So moving around in my car to get to work, taking the train, going on a quick trip around town. So that 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 affects a lot of life, right? So Mercury every three, four times a year will appear to move in the opposite direction from its normal path in the heavens from our vantage point. This is the retrograde. We have seen every time that it retrogrades, the manifestation of everything having to do with consciousness, um, communicating, or moving through the field via travel gets messed up, or something funny will happen to it, or a trick will occur. Mercury's the trickster. Nothing huge, nothing catastrophic, nothing that's going to end your life or stop you from living, but some kind of mix-up, right? So you and I planned a podcast during Mercury retrograde. I selected the time for our podcast to be January 22nd, back when Mercury was still retrograding at the end of 2023. I thought to myself as an astrologer, something might happen to this date because Mercury is in retrograde. This is a a podcast. It's everything to do with Mercury topics. Well, what happened is I mixed up our time zones and I was an hour late to our show. The previous show that I did two weeks ago, same thing happened and we had to reschedule it Reschedule it because it was booked during a retrograde. Now, is this the end of the world? No. Were we able to fix it? Yes. But what that gives you is an opportunity to feel more at peace in your life. Because when weird things happen to your car, to your computer, to your schedule, to your work, If you have a misunderstanding and you get in a fight with your your partner or your kids or whatever it is, because the communication is kind of haywire and you can know when that's going to occur in advance, it's like preparing for a rainy day outside. I have my jacket, meaning I'm not going to take these things too too seriously. I'm not going to get my knickers in a twist about it. I'm going to be more patient with the way life unfolds in 
all these ways that I can't control. And I might even enjoy and laugh at it and feel fascination with the intention, intentionality of, of life and the way that it could even work this way. And so that's what it gives me is like an element of surprise and delight and a living, breathing universe. First of all, who are you? Who says knickers? And second of all, <laughs> second of all, or did you double slit that? And the result of our mix up and the calendar depend upon whether you observe that or not to the double slit. And that's a great question. And I would say you have to experiment with that for yourself. And I've been doing this for a long time. I've been trying to answer that question myself. And let me tell you, I don't pay attention to every possible transit. I, I mean, I would, my eyes would melt out of my head if I paid attention to every possible thing that could be happening on every single day. Most of the time, I'm just going about my business like a normal person, like everyone else mm. with not too much awareness of what's happening unless I check. But when things occur, usually I'm reminded, oh, this planet's doing this in this sign today. What a beautiful literal manifestation of that. There's the theme of this planet in this sign today. I can, and it surprises me, you know, when I'm not looking for it. So I think that question is, is it, um, is it, what do they call that? It's some type of bias, predetermined Ob Observational bias. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. And that could be true. But then I always come back to, would you rather live in a universe where everything is on purpose or nothing is? Mm. And for me, it's it's a wonderful way to feel connected with the magic of everything being designed. I like your take on that. What is the astrological impact? And I guess I'm trying to understand how do the planetary movements have anything to do with influencing my birth personality how, how how does the movement and the trajectory and all those different things what is and, and then just in a nutshell what is the what's the ultimate implication for that why did they have any bearing on what goes on down here to me why why do they have any bearing i don't know i don't know because i think what you're asking is why would it be designed that way why would that be true i don't know all that I know is that I can look at your chart and we can maybe talk about this later. And it, and it would tell me some things about you that I think you would agree would be true. Does it have something to do? Uh, can we, I'd like to go on that on how much time we have, but I want to talk about me, but does it have anything to do with, <laughs> does it have anything to do with the fact that we're just energy particles and you talked about neutrino, so. neutrinos and all that stuff yeah. and, the, and the universe in of itself is just energy and their waves and all these different things and how waves inter interact with each other and, and pulls yeah. and magnetism and all those things. Does that have something to do with it? Yeah, I think so. I think to explain it scientifically, it has to do with the neutrino stream and the way that con consciousness is influencing um, matter and the way that matter is playing with consciousness. And I would say, so I would say that we can't prove it. I would say we're only on the edge of this information. I would say that scientists understand a lot less than they claim to. I would say that people pretend to be certain about things they really don't know because their ego and money gets tied up in it. I would say that the whole purpose of science is to keep questioning forever and not to pretend pretend to be too certain about anything at any point and to keep watching and keep observing. And I would say that this is a field of study that's just on the precipice of, of what it can do and know for us. And that we really, we don't know the answers to these questions yet, but that's my suspicion. Yes. 
And then I would take it in a much more spiritual place. And I, I start to wonder, so what's the point, right? So it, if it is this way, and eventually we'll be able to figure out, you know, scientifically, mechanically how it occurs. If I believe in a God, why would he design it this way? You know, I, it's like you're trying to reverse engineer a switchboard or a motherboard for a computer and try to understand how the inputs resulted in the product. But we've, we are able to do that, though. We are able to do that because we designed that. We designed the computer. Mm, but I see your point. We don't know who designed this experience of consciousness. We're all trying to figure it out from in the inside. So tell me a little bit about who you're helping. Like what what is what is it that you're doing and the type of person that you're working with to to reframe their not only their understanding of how astrology and the engineering and the science behind it work, but who are the type of people that are calling Sarah Kirby and say, Hey, I need you to to change my my perspective on things or I need help with what is it what is it exactly that you do? I have clients of all different ages and backgrounds wealthy people, poorer people, older people, younger people, men and women. It's just people like you and I, you know, sometimes it's people who are seeking me because they think I'm psychic and I tell them I'm not. And sometimes it's people who really have been studying astrology a long time and they know what it can do. But generally I would say that what most people are trying to get from me is they're trying to get a mirror to understand what's going on in their life at any point in time. So you might see me for the same reason that you would see a talk therapist to work out a problem in your life or to get a different vantage point. Uh, to get some information to help explain what's going on in your life and help you inform what best possible next step that you can take. And then human design is really effective as well. And I incorporate that into my work because what it does is it helps me look at the person as, it helps me work with the person to find what their unique strategy should be for making decisions in their life so that they can make decisions as themselves, as, as their unique self from their own position of authority rather than fall prey to the influence of society and the conditioning of the way that we do things as a collective. Hmm. So I help people to get um, more confidence in themselves and who they are so that they can be more of who they are, less of who they are not, and to find more harmony and ease in all aspects of their life, work, relationships, money, health, purpose, all of it. So they can experience less resistance and find more satisfaction, peace, success, and, and delight with, with life. So translate that for me. If I were, what, what are some common reasons why someone like me would come to you and say, hey, how can you help me? Uh, could you repeat that? It broke up. What are some common what? What are some common reasons why someone like me would come to you? And what would I be specifically asking you to help me with? Like, just give me an example. Break that down. Well, typically, I will tell you that my clients aren't usually coming to me uh, peachy keen and happy in life. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't necessarily come see me if you were feeling super happy with your life and had no questions, right? If, if that were you, um, the most we could do is I, I could give you some information about who I see you to be and how we can fine tune some things to give you even more of what you want in life. And you might be interested in what I could tell you in the same way you'd be interested in taking a personality test online, mm. but that's just more for fun and entertainment. I would say if you're not really experiencing any deep frustration or anger in your life, but most of my clients are coming to me because they have a problem. 
And usually it's during a very specific heavy transit in their life where everything is kind of going wrong at one time. Okay. So suddenly I've realized I hate the job I'm in. My health is failing. I'm getting divorced. Somebody died. I I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. Everything I'm doing isn't working. This manifestation shit isn't working out for me. I'm trying to think positive thoughts. Nothing's working. You know, it's people who are deeply frustrated or deeply confused or feeling deeply stuck. And they're going to a therapist. They're trying the hypnotherapy. They're, they're, they're willing to listen to things that they might not have been willing to listen to before. That's usually the, the, the first ticket. And then what I do is without knowing anything about them at all, I get their chart and I say, these are your fundamental strengths. These are some of your weaknesses. Here are some of the uh, dichotomies I think you have in your personality that might cause you to struggle. And here are some solutions and ways that we can resolve that. Here are some of the things I see that may be happening in your life right now. You're going through a major transformation in your relationships and it's asking you whether or not you want to commit or recommit or uh, tear down the foundation of this relationship. The whole purpose of your life is to fulfill, uh, is to grow your soul in these particular six or seven ways. Um, here are the ways that you're designed to make decisions so that you can encounter more ease. Here are the here are the cheat go cheat codes that you can apply so that you can move through life more smoothly. It doesn't mean you won't have problems. It doesn't mean that you're going to um, have the answer to every question forevermore, or that you're suddenly going to be able to control everything. But what it does mean is that you will have a greater ability to. Make the best possible decision for you in any moment because you know who you are. As a, uh, And you said you did something like this based upon my readings? Yeah, I mean, I have your natal chart up here and I have your human design chart. And so your sun in Scorpio and you're a moon in ascendant in Aquarius. Uh, and then you have a, a lot of the rest of your planets are in Libra. Okay, what is Aquarius about? Suspend your disbelief for a moment. And then later look up any single textbook that has ever been written on astrology and it will say the same. Aquarius is about groups of people, society at large, and it's about rebelling against the old structure, tr traditional way of doing things and innovating forward in the future in a way that is beneficial for humanity at large. That's what Aquarius is concerned with as, a, as, a, as an energy. And so the fact that you're an Aquarius rising and an Aquarius moon means that in large part, you're here to help further the purpose of Aquarius around how that happened or who did it or why. Do you want to talk astrology and engineering or do you want to talk foundational <laughs> elements of human beginnings? Which one would you like to do today? I think it's all the same. <laughs> well, if you believe what I believe, humans were were created from a master from a much older race that visited the planet because their soul, their star system had a huge war and the galaxies was scattered and a certain race of people, a group of these aliens that were their own planet was destroyed, came to this planet way beyond. And there, there may or may not have been any humanoids at, here at that time that it's still unclear on that, but they lived here for several they lived here for an, an, an indefinite period of time on this planet. And then that planet had a cataclysm as the planet has had. We know of at least six known cataclysms that have occurred on this planet, at least six. 
because we can see it in the ice core samples. Mm -hmm. We can see it in all the geological formations, yada, yada, yada. So we know that at some point that civilization was nearly wiped out. But anyhow, roughly around 200,000 years ago, they started tampering with our cousins. Like we'll call mm -hmm. them the, we'll call them early, early hominids. And they made us a slave race for them because there was a rebellion on this planet. And we know this for a fact through scriptures, through codes, through the Mamaraba, all the different like ancient, ancient scriptures that were and stones and all these things that were found. And and there was a rebellion against this. We'll call them aliens. They're not aliens because they were they're actually from here. We're, and while that rebellion was going on. They struck a deal because half of the half of the people that were here were enslaved. The aliens mm -hmm. that came here, there was like a ruling race called the called the Anunnaki, and then there was a second race called the Ajiji. And the Ajiji were basically their servants, but the Ajiji grew faster than the aliens in terms of volume numbers, and so they rebelled. And they could have killed all the other ones, but they struck a deal to remove them from the slave um, trade, and hamper with the humanoids that were here. And so they they changed the DNA structure. They, then there were multiple iterations over, over thousands of years until they finally got us. And then once they finally perfected us after multiple iterations, we became their new slaves. But just like the Ajiji, because we, we proliferated faster than they, they did because they lived for thousands of years and we didn't. But when they were when they were devising us the second time around, they found that we were growing spiritually just like them in power. And we could do the things because they, they were living for thousands of years. We know this from the king list that there was a group of rulers. And you can even see it in the Bible, like in Numbers and Deuteronomy and Exodus. Like they talk about these kings that ruled for thousands of years. And mm -hmm. they weren't a king. Um, they were they were rulers that came here and bred us and and now they still live here. They're still here amongst us. And there's mm -hmm. a whole bunch of other things. We can talk about this. I'm pretty well versed on this now. I've been studying this for a few years. In fact, my podcast last week was with one of the most foreknown foreknown experts, Matt LaCroix, came on my show and we did like a three hour show on this. So wait till that show comes out. It's like mind boggling. I'm gonna have to watch that one because this is definitely pretty far out there. Oh my God, it's so far out there, but it makes perfect sense, Sarah. When you actually start to open up one tunnel after the next and dive into it, you're like, holy fuck, that actually makes more sense than anything I've ever read before. And the Bible alludes to it many times if you go oh, read. Oh, well, yeah. People used to age, what were they? They were, you know, 200, 300 years old and all of that. Well, the crazy thing where I was going with that is the Bible, if you read between the lines and reread it, which I'm doing right now, now that I have people that are cluing me in on things to look for, it's like, oh my God, that's exactly what it fucking says. So I'll send you a podcast that I, the last two podcasts I've listened to the last two days by a guy named Billy Carson, who I'm trying to get on the show, but he told me the first time I wasn't big enough yet for him. So I'm like trying to grow myself to get me a little bigger. Um, so you better not fuck up the show for me and make me famous. Well, I can, I can help you. I can help you. I'll, I'll share it on my Instagram. There's like 13,000 people on there. <laughs> okay. So, but, but let me ask you this. We, in our conversation yesterday alluded to, uh, you think that the next five years is kind of make or break for humanity. Mm -hmm. What do you think is going to happen? And why do I you say that? Why I do you put that timeline on it? 
I mean, it's just it's anecdotal at best to some degrees in terms of the number of years. But if you take a look at human civilization on this planet, we know that, and you'll appreciate this, that roughly every 36,000 years-ish, the planet mm-hmm. recycles and right. and something happens. It has to do with celestial alignments and planets and all these things, mm-hmm. and things move into a different phase. The mm-hmm. poles shift, for example. We know the poles right. have shifted multiple times. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the poles shift, that's like everything gets turned off. Like literally off, no- yeah. nothing works. So that could be the end of this civilization. That this could that could mark the end of who we are. Um I do think the planet in her infinite wisdom also elicits and catalyzes things to occur so that she can do whatever she wants to do in terms of like recycling herself and preserving herself. So, you know, I mean, I have some really whacked out theories that, that COVID is part of that war is part of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, we're literally headed to like a precipice right now. I don't know if you follow geopolitical stuff, but there's so much stuff going on right now that like, it's slippery slope. Well, and I think it's very designed to prey on and harvest the fear of people and and get people under control. You know, this is where I think you might be curious to dive into human design more because most people are familiar with the aspect of human design, which is called rave cartography. This is complicated vocabulary that describes the way um, the planetary alignments influence your personality and your life path, very similar to astrology. It's like a the next step or evolution of astrology is the way that I think of it. But there is also the theory underpinning human design called rave cosmology. And this is all about the way the universe was born or how it works, so to speak. And this comes from a man who called himself Ra Uruhu. And he's the man who channeled in the system of human design. He lived a normal life, more of a vagabond life. He was kind of a vagabond. Um, But then, yeah, he he just went around traveling and living with people and not really having much of his own. But uh, he was living in Spain when he had a mystical experience where what he calls the voice spoke to him. And over the, the course of the next seven days or so, he channeled in the entire system and structure of human design, the charts, the planets, the lines, the positions, what they mean, the gates, the descriptions of everything. And he just downloaded it all in from this entity he calls the voice, and then used the rest of his life to build the system and educate people about it. But the voice also told him a lot about how the universe works from a mechanical point of view and spoke to him about the the cycles of time and evolution. And one of the pieces of information that he received was around the year 2027, which by the look of my watch is not very far away. Right? And so 2027, it's called the prophecy of, of 2027 where, um, and, and you know, this is all hearsay now, right? Because we don't know what's going to happen, but according to what he received, In 2027, humanity will go through its next stage in evolution, and a new type of species will be, will start to be born. Mm -hmm. And so it's not going to happen all at once, Mm -hmm. but it is going to be similar to when uh, Homo sapiens Mm -hmm. split from the previous iteration 
of humanity. They didn't, they didn't split though. They were manipulated. Okay. So that, so, and I think to your point that that is what is going on again now through things like the vaccine, absolutely. through, through the manipulation of information, absolutely. through the food, absolutely. through, through the medicine that we're using. So I do believe that it is being manipulated, but you know, and then you get into whether or not it's evil or if it's all part of the grand design, that's a different conversation. But um, the increase in things like autism and and the way that consciousness is kind of iterating and changing, I think that's going to be very much so a part of the types of people that will start to be born in 2027 and the way that society will eventually change over you know the next 2000 or so years as as these new people come in and I think they're going to be more hive mind creatures designed to work in in groups and communicating very differently than you and I do today. So whether or not we would consider it a step forward, you know, the jury's still out on that. But I, that's according to human design. You know, that's where it gets really wacky and woo-woo and can really turn a lot of people away from it because it just sounds so bizarre. But um, we're expecting a huge mutation in the the DNA and subsequently the, the energy channels of humanity that is going to occur in 2027 and, and be probably pretty similar to what you're talking about. Holy fuck me. That's a lot to unpack. I agree with everything you just said. I think you said it more eloquently than I did. I think they're, I, I just feel like we're marching into a divergence right now. Mm -hmm. And one is transhumanism and what you called hive mentality. And the other one is the, what was the word you used earlier that I said I like that word? Not I don't cavalier. know. Not cavalier. What did you call him? He was a, he was a bit of a rogue cavalier. What do you say this dude? Oh, vagabonds. Thing? Yeah. Like, the vagabonds who are sort of critical thinkers and trying to, you know, live how humans should evolve. And I think that divergence is being manipulated on purpose by mm -hmm. the original people who tried to enslave us in the first place. And what do you think their intent is to re-enslave us? Yeah. Control. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Control. Do you we, think we, it's a, do you think it's a, uh, like a war of good versus evil? Absolutely. Is that how light and dark, yeah. light and dark. I don't mm -hmm. believe in good and evil. I believe in light mm -hmm. and dark. I believe, I do believe that there are, yeah, I yeah, 100, light and dark. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to get into the conversation of God and heaven and all that because I don't believe in any of that bullshit. No mm -hmm. offense. I do believe that there is a creator that something, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, that created all of this. And in order for, for all of this to actually work, you have to have the yin and the yang. You have to have the light and the dark. Like That's the only way to evolve. I think that our purpose here is to evolve to like, We'll call it angel status so that we can be non-physical beings and ultimately retake our place into whatever that is. I don't, I don't even begin to contemplate what that is, but it's way outside my intellectual capacity. But uh, I do think that the next five years, in my opinion, honestly, we're, I don't think people realize how close we are on the verge of being in like a cataclysmic war right now. Well, they don't want people to know because then there would be an uprising if people really understood what was going on. But I think your instinct around the timeline of, a, you know, about five years or so where things are getting really critical, at least it aligns with with the information that Ra Uruhu received. So, you know, we'll have to see. But the other thing that's going on astrologically is that we're, we're changing ages now. The astrological ages are periods of uh, just over 2000 years where there is sort of, we'll call it a background frequency or energy that influences the way that humanity evolves. So 
we're closing the age of Pisces. We've just been through the age of Pisces now, which was marked by the teachings of Christ. So Pisces is the energy of oneness and compassion, forgiveness, sacrifice, the uni the universalization of of all people and connection to to everything, right? So Pisces is also the energy related to medicine and healing. So what did we see over the last 2000 years? Well, the, the most noteworthy teacher is Christ, and he teaches all of those same principles, forgiveness, compassion, sacrifice, all of that. And we see the, the development of modern medicine. This was the age of Pisces, which was distinctively more compassionate than the previous age of the previous 2000 years, which was the age of Aries, where war, conquest, killing for sport and entertainment, domination, achievement, um, the lighting of fire, literally all of this is um, energy associated with the age of Aries. Now we're in the blending period now where we're going to end Pisces and we're going to move into Aquarius. In the 60s, you would hear all the hippies talking about the age of Aquarius. This is the beginning of the age of the Aquarius. Um, there's a whole song about it. There's a whole song about it. I don't really think that's when the proper start of the age of Aquarius was. I think there were some alignments at that time. We had you know, Pluto and Uranus in connection at that time that was creating this kind of revolutionary energy. But we are getting closer now to the, the age of Aquarius. And the exact start, I feel like, is not... There's no clear answer on that, but it, it is obvious that we're switching ages right now. And, the, you know, the last time we switched ages, that was the fall of, of Rome. Well, this time, you know, maybe it's the fall of America or what, whatever, whatever you might say. But, you know, there's there's two dominant theories about what the age of Aquarius will hold for us. And I think there's the idealistic vision where, you know, it's all kumbaya and we have these close knit communities and. We use technology for the good of all, and we're all singing rainbows, dancing with bare feet in the grass, right? Age of Aquarius, yay. But while I can appreciate and want to hold that vision for what it's worth, Aquarius is traditionally ruled by the planet Saturn, which is a malefic darkening influence of the dark, not of the light. And there is something to be said for the darker side of Aquarius energy, which is less about altruistic saving of humanity and more about dogmatic control and influence over the ideology of humanity. So this is where technology is used to control and manipulate. And it gets kind of 1984, if you've read that book, about how there is one right truth and it's good for you. And how dare you step outside it because you're going to be affecting other people. You know, it's, it's, we're stepping into a time period where we have to see whether or not we're going to reach a technological utopia or a technological dystopia. And the age of Aquarius is going to be the next 2,000, 2,500-ish years. Hmm. I don't know if we have a choice, you know, I don't, I don't know. I know what I'd like to put my stock in, but I don't know if we have a choice in the grand scheme of things, how it will unfold. Not if we're in a simulation, certainly. Right. You know, and I don't know, I don't know if we are. I mean, if it's I a need, computer I simulation. I need to play with while I'm podcasting. <laughs> you can adjust your beanie. It's so freaking cold here today. I'm sick of it. Um, I was, <clears throat> wow. Um, 
I was watching. Have you ever seen the show called Messages from the Masters? I think it's called. I haven't. It's on Gaia. What's that on? Do you follow Gaia? I've seen a few things from Gaia, but I don't subscribe. It's pretty cool. They have a show on there called Messages from the Masters, and it's someone like you just described who's tapped into a celestial being, and the being is from another time and another planet and different universe. And she talks all about all the different things that are happening here on planet Earth and why Earth is so important to the sort of universe as a whole. Like this, this planet is actually just a, it's like a school mm -hmm. for spirits to come here to sort of learn to ascend. And that's what this planet is used for now. And so and what are other planets used for? I don't know all that yet, but other planets also have similar purposes as well. But this planet in particular is being used as a school for spirits to sort of unravel and, and learn and ascend. And that's one of the messages. And one of the other things that they talk about, and this is a different um, reading that I'm doing right now, is that um, there was considerably advanced civilizations that lived on this planet. And Matt talks about that in depth in my, in my last podcast. Um, and they were wiped out through cataclysm and wars and things of that nature. But technology existed here prior to us in magnanimous ways that we can't even comprehend. Like, look mm -hmm. at this. We talked about a little bit yesterday, the, the structures around the planet that have been built. Like, we can't even replicate that with our, with our advanced technology that we have today. So, well, you're fun to talk to. So, I guess we should probably talk about you and the things that you're doing, because that was the whole point of the show. And you needed to keep me on track, <laughs> because... You're bad, hey, bad. I, I just, I, I love the, I love the philosophical talk. You know, I love talking about things that we can't prove or know for sure. And it's, it's fun to discuss and ideate and, you know, how often do you meet someone you can really have these sorts of conversations very, with? I mean, I very, think that's why you started this podcast, right? Yeah, very rarely. It's hard to, yeah. and it is exactly why I do the podcast. It's hard to have conversations with people who, I find that a lot of people just don't have an interest in caring about it. It's not so much that they that they don't know about it. It's that they actually don't want to know. But I have a dude in my mastermind, true story. And I, he's a wonderful person. And and he's probably going to know who I'm talking about him because I know he listens to the show. But he he literally said to me one time, okay, so why, why, why does it matter where we came mm -hmm. from? Or why does it matter that we know that information? Like, okay, great. How's that going to change my life? And I'm like, there's a, there's so many re ways to unpack that. The reason you should give a fuck where you came from and the origin of your species and all those things. Because for me, if you understand where you came from and you understand your past, like let's just take it on a linear capacity. It's easier for us as humans in, in our lives right now. If I understand my origin story and that my dad was abusive and he beat me up all on a regular basis and made me do all sorts of things because then I understand all the trauma that I have been holding on to so that I can change that through my own doing and thus forth live a much better life so it's like if that's like on a micro level but on a macro level if you can take a look at like the origin of us as humans and understand all the things that brought us to the point where we are today and why that existed the trauma the tribulations the successes whatever like you're you're better equipped to handle that and arm yourself with information going forward so that you can make better decisions and understand why things exist the way they do so that we can understand why we live in a society that we live Live in, which is based upon manipulation and control, it was first brought to us by the Catholic Church and religion, organized religion in the first place. Like <laughs> all those things matter, man, because they're going to change the paradigm of how you operate. And if you don't know that, then what the fuck is the point? Like we're just here to like jerk each other off and then die. Like, what the fuck is the point? For real. Like, if that's the only thing you care about, 
then why the fuck are you even living here? Like, what's the point? Well, you know, what I would say to that is you are highlighting one of the beautiful things about what I do, which is that each of us is extremely unique and designed to care about specific things more than other things. And you as an Aquarius rising and moon with the sun and Scorpio are uniquely designed to be investigating these kinds of topics and interested in, in growing and expanding through this type of of path. Why? Because Aquarius is all about ideas that are out there, different, revolutionary, even considered rebellious or unorthodox or innovative ahead of its time and maybe a little quacky and weird, right? Scorpio is the investigator that wants to get to, to the bottom of what information is being hidden and concealed, wants to understand the power dynamics behind how people manipulate and, and control the direction of society. Scorpio is the investigator. It is the FBI agent of the Zodiac. And Aquarius is, Aquarius reminds me if you've seen that internet meme of like the quacky guy with the hair, like the, um, what is that ancient aliens? And he has his hair. Greg <laughs> Braden. Greg Braden. Okay, there we go. You know, just like really, try to understand this man like that kind of energy is is aquarius because it's usually focused on ideas that most people aren't on the cusp of yet and haven't even considered so when you bring those together what do you get you get devo hmm. i feel very naked in front of you how do you know all this information first of all about me because i have i have your chart up and i understand the archetypal principles behind each sign of the zodiac and each planet in the solar system. And I know how to synthesize them to use language and vocabulary that resonates with you based hmm. on the parts of your consciousness that are most prominent and visible to you. Hmm. That's what, that's what the whole point of this is. And it, it's the same thing as what you said. Why wouldn't you want to know that? Cause if you understood yourself more and you know, where you've been and where you're headed, then that changes the entire way that you move through the world. Okay. My daughter was asking me last night who was on my podcast, and I said, it was this, this woman and told her your name and what you did, and she didn't understand. She said, explain to me what human design is. So break this down for me in rudimentary terms for the very slow-minded people in the room. What is human design? Okay. Human design is a system to catalog energy. It is a science of differentiation, meaning it is a system that we use to describe the way in which people are different and the way in which they move through reality. It combines astrology, the I Ching, and the chakra system to highlight the conscious and unconscious personality and the way that our vessels, our physical bodies, are designed to interact with life or the field of conscious consciousness and matter around us. So it's like astrology 2.0. So it's sort of like the old Dewey decimal system that libraries used, and it takes information about books, categorizes them, chronicles them, indexes them. And then the output of that is sort of a, an intrinsic understanding of a human from a from from a standpoint of am i am i am i rephrasing this properly or am i not 
Yeah, no, I'm tracking with this. I think this is accurate. What I would say is that then you would, you would know which specific book you are. And if you took that book off the shelf and you opened it up, it would be an instruction manual for how Mm -hmm. to operate in a way that is authentic and aligned to that specific book rather than trying to copy or be any of the other books on the shelf. Okay. That's what human design is. And how does human design differ from just traditional astrology? So traditional mm-hmm. astrology to me, my kids don't have school today. They have this program in their school. If you ha- um, maintain a B average and don't miss school, then you get to miss all to like the end of quarter testing. That's kind of nice. Kind of cool. So anyway, if you hear any weird noises, um, that's what <laughs> they are. Um, how does it tra- differ from traditional astrology? Because when I think of astrology, I think of you open you open up the you open up a, a reading on a website and you put in your birth date and it tells you, okay, today you're going to meet somebody today. You're going to all these different things. It gives you like these sort of like benign readings of something. So how is that different? And I've had my, I've gone to an astrologer before and mm-hmm. she did like a reading on me and well, I've done it a few times and she came up with some pretty fantastic information that I didn't expect her to say, but how, so how is what you do different from that? That was a really long right. way of asking that question. Sorry. I do what she does, but I also do human design. So um, do, would you mind if I share my screen and show the difference in the charts? Well, that's a bit personal early on in this relationship. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> you don't have, you could say no. <laughs> no, go. <laughs> I'll anonymize gonna, the information. Go ahead, go, go, go. Okay, do it, do all it. right. So is this going to make my life better? I think it will help answer the question. Okay, perfect. Okay. Yeah, I've seen this before. On the left, this is a traditional astrology chart. So what this does is it's essentially just a map of the sky at the time that any specific person was born. Okay, so this is your chart, but I've anonymized the information. So um, you've anonymized it, but you just told yeah, me it was I'm, my chart. <laughs> I, yeah, it's yours. <laughs> it's anonymous, but it's your chart. <laughs> Never mind. It's it's Devo's. Let let it be known. <laughs> okay. Well, completely so anonymous, gonna, Sarah. We're gonna have to delete this if you don't want it. Want it up. <laughs> It depends on if someone can use it to harm me. No, they can't. So what this does is it just says, okay, at the center where the X is, this is you on earth. Over here is the Eastern horizon. This is what was rising. The moon was rising where the sun normally rises in Aquarius. And over here is what the setting sky. And this is directly overhead. So you were born about midday. And so what's interesting about this. I was was like 130. How do you know that? Because I can tell geometrically that the sun is right at the top of the sky. So this is this is this is a map of the sky. So it, this is Earth in the center here. This is the eastern horizon. This is the whole sky. This is the setting horizon. And this is on the opposite side of the earth underneath. Mm. So if the sun is right above, I know that it, you know, it was mid-heaven here is this is about noon, so maybe 130. Yeah. Mm. So it's a, it's a way of reading the sky, literally. Well, what this does is it tells me it's a constellation describing both your conscious and unconscious personality and the passage of your life through time. On the right is the human design chart. And what this does is it takes this same information from the left, but it layers it onto the physical body and associates it with the chakra system. And it also includes some of the Chinese I Ching to help specify what these placements mean for you specifically. And then what it does is it localizes the influence of these planets and these signs to chakras chakras or centers in the body. 
And then it describes the way that they function mechanically. So this energy interacts with this other energy in this specific way and at this specific time and will, will influence your personality in XYZ way. So um, this is helpful because what it does is it, it gives us the strategy and authority for how you should move through reality. And it makes it, I think what human design is, it makes it more practical, actionable, and logical. Whereas astrology can be very abstract, symbolic, and creative. This is more of the, the logical interpretation. And now I know if you've never seen this before, you look at it and you say, I don't even know where to begin with this. How could this possibly be logical? But once you begin to learn the system and how it works, it really is more logical and mathematical than it is creative and abstract. So I like to use both of them together because then I feel like I have the whole gamut and I can see things from multiple ways and that's very useful. But, you know, some people like to just do one or the other. Personally, I believe that all the information you need can be found in one single chart if you're, if you know how to understand them and you have a gift for it. But, you know, I I'm on the side of having more information and data at my disposal to understand a person completely. So that's, that's what I would say the difference is. And, and I use both of them together. So are you going to interpret what this means or are you going to, is that for a later part of the exercise? Would you like me to interpret what this means? I would, I think, but I do want to have time to ask you a lot of questions as well. Well, so maybe what I'll do is describe the basics of a human design chart and then we'll have more time for questions. Wait, where, so did, where, where did you go? Oh, there you are. I'm just sharing this one specifically <laughs> so it's larger for people. Okay. Um, so you Does, are wait, wait, hold on. Let me interrupt you. Sorry. Does it make mm -hmm. more sense to have more QA so that there's a better understanding of your stuff and then come back to this? Sure. No, no, that's a question. I'm not I'm not saying it does. Or I think people... what will happen is as I begin to explain the basics of human design, you'll have questions and that's where the dialogue can open. Okay, so maybe as the questions that I ask, maybe we can keep this visual up if need sure. be, and then let's do and that. Reference them as referenceable material. Does that work? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So, so, so you, in a nutshell, the difference between astrology and human design, in a few words, recap, is that astrology is abstract, creative, symbolic, and uh, more left brain and human design is logical, systematic, mechanical, practical, right brain. Got it. Two actually, different ways of displaying the same information. Actually, you know what? We can't really see your face when you're talking. So maybe we should stop sharing for a minute. Okay. Okay. Sorry. And then just share at discretion. So human design and astrology, they complement each other in your practice but in terms of in terms of the unique insights that they independently offer how do you describe those if you were working with a client how would you use the astrology piece to make an insightful explanation or description or however you use it and then how would you use human design and then how do you put them together to optimize that great question this is something that I am still developing as a personal theory because I, I'm not readily aware of anyone else in the field right now who is combining them in the way that I am. And frankly, I'm not 
even exactly positive how it is that I am combining them. It seems to be unique and specific to each client I work with and somewhat of a gift that I have to be able to do it. But if I were to try to explain it to you, the way that I use this with the client is I first pull up the astrology chart and I take it in as a whole. For instance, with you, I see the first thing I look at is the sun, moon, sun, moon, and rising sign. So well, can you pull Aquarius. up your, can you pull up your screen sure. while you're doing this? Sorry, cause that sure. this would be a good time to do that. Right. Sure. So the, I'm not, the I'm not first trying to thing, be bossy. I just thought that would make more sense now. Sure. So the first thing that I would do is I would look at the sun sign, sun and Scorpio, the rising and the moon sign, which you have both in Aquarius. <clears throat> and that already tells me a certain number of things about you that we've already explained, you know, into ideas that are ahead of your time and the investigator that wants to get to the bottom of how things work, right? Because astrology essentially is what it does is it gives me keywords, archetypes, and symbols for what each of these energies mean. So, you know, Aries is the initiator with ambition that wants to take action. Taurus is all about keeping the pace stabilizing our foundation, being consistent, reliable, and determined. Gemini is curious and wants to explore ideas, talk, and communicate. Cancer wants to take care of and provide for its tribe, its home, its family. Leo wants to play, have fun, and self-express. Virgo wants to analyze, serve, and perfect. Libra wants to relate individually and is concerned with justice justice and fairness among people. Scorpio, Scorpio is the investigator that wants to get to the bottom of things. Sagittarius is the optimist that wants to find the, true, the truth and the meaning of the human experience. And you do have some energy here, by the way, so that would resonate with you. Capricorn is all about structuring and building over time and becoming an authority and building a legacy. And then Aquarius is... is the revolutionary, the rebel, the innovator, and Pisces is the compassionate healer. And so I already know those things based on where you have planets localized. So you have a lot of Aquarius, you have a lot of Libra, you have a lot of Scorpio, you have a lot of Sagittarius. I know those things from the beginning. Hmm. Then what I do to, as a next step, is that I come over here to your human design chart. Okay. And when I look at your human design chart, it gives me some other information. And this is just a different way of visualizing that same astrology chart. And it classifies you as, it, it tells me about your aura, okay? So it takes that that in, that those planets, which are listed here, and it lays them in the chakra system and gives me degree-specific interpretations and meaning. So you're not just... You're not just somebody who is a Lib who has a lot of Libra energy, for instance, that's constantly relating in a one-to-one -one setting, like on a podcast. You're someone who has gate 26 activated, meaning you have an instinctive knack for marketing those conversations, knowing how to visualize things in order to sell them. Um, you're not just an Aquarius who has ideas ahead of its time, but you're someone with gate 16 active. This is a Gemini gate that is about enhancing skills over time and developing talent. You're not just someone who has Saturn in cancer, right? You're someone who has gate 50, which means that you will become responsible for something large or significant over the course of your life. And that, that you will feel this, um, this pressure to give and provide. You're not just someone who is 
you know, a Scorpio sun and Mercury with a Sagittarius midheaven, which is the investigator that is following a life path to uncover truth. You're someone who has the 952 channel, meaning that you have a great ability to concentrate deeply and focus your energy and sit still in a process where you're trying to, to uncover something which would aid you in getting to the bottom of things and fulfilling that purpose. So do you see how it allows me to specify more mm -hmm. what those energies mean specifically for you? Mm -hmm. And I the do. other thing that human design helps me to do is it gives me a practical strategy to advise you on how to use your energy based on the type and structure of your aura, which is getting into the specifics of human design. But before we do that, I want to pause so that you can add reflections or questions. So I, what I heard from all of that, thank you for doing that, by the way, I, I heard esoteric and I heard pragmatic being sort of mm -hmm. fused and blended in, in, in an output mechanism. And that's my engineering and my creative heart blended together. That's, yeah. that's how, that's why it resonates for me and why I really love it. So, so with your, that's a great segue for, for what I was thinking about. It's funny that you said that with your background in engineering, how do you approach more abstract concepts of astrology mm -hmm. and, and human design in a more logical, systematic way so that lay people can understand that? Well, how would you say I just did that for you right now? Well, you broke it down slowly and meticulously, but not everybody has the benefit of having a podcast with you so that I get to explore and kind of dive into it. But if you're in a 30 second elevator pitch with somebody and you're in a networking meeting or you're having a conversation with somebody, how do you take those two and say, all right, I, I do this, I do this and I do that. And, and, and then explain that in a logical systematic way. So somebody can really quickly understand that. I would say that it's, again, it's kind of like psychology. So uh, less like I'm, it's an experiment where the results of these charts that I'm looking at is a constellation of data that I have from an experiment. Mm. And I'm trying to figure out what it means to prove or disprove a hypothesis I have about who you are and mm. what will occur in your life. Mm. That's how I would explain it. And, I, and I'm assuming that in your line of work, especially as you've started jumping into this more um, esoteric side, you've addressed, you've probably faced a lot of skepticism around this, around, the whole, both of them, not, not only just independently, but when when you've merged them, especially with people who have more of a scientific background, it's like having trying to have a god conversation with somebody who only believes mm -hmm. in evolution. Mm -hmm. So, so how do you have that? How do you bridge that for people? And how do you, how do you how do you approach people who are very skeptical about it? Well, to tell you the truth, I don't encounter too many skeptics because the people that follow me and the people that book consultations with me, they already see the sauce, so to speak. And so they're not really consulting with me to have them prove anything. Uh, but I will tell you that probably everybody I went to college with, with thinks I'm crazy. Have I ever spoken to them about it? Have they ever questioned me? No, but I, you know, I doubt that they, they probably think I've lost my mind, but there was something missing for me when I was in engineering school, because I would take these classes, these very complex, like for instance, molecular biology that I had in my master's program. I remember studying deeply the, the molecular level function of the human body and thinking, God, this is so intricately and perfectly designed. How could anyone deny conscious design of the way that this all comes together? And in a way, I've, I sort of learned through my experience in college that 
science is its own type of cult and it's its own type of religion anyway. And it's very tied up and influenced by money and power and status. And um, there is a right way to think. And if you have ideas outside that right way to think, you are ostracized just as you would be for questioning the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. And that was my personal experience. And so for me, I'm not, I'm not just a logical scientific engineer. I came in questioning the how and the why and the wonder of the universe, constantly asking, who are we? What are we? What is consciousness? I was always interested in religion and spirituality just as much as I was science. And growing up in a family with, you know, all these weird mystical or poltergeist type of unexplainable experiences, I had questions that maybe some of the other students were not asking. And so this is my attempt at merging both worlds. And I don't, I don't personally encounter a lot of skeptics. What I would say to the skeptics though is, okay, fine. What I would like to do then with you is just try it, experiment, listen to what I'm saying, take it for what it is, try applying my advice and watch what happens. It's your own experiment. If it doesn't work for you, leave it in the dust. Forget we ever met. If it, if there's something there for you, keep going. Let's keep talking and you'll uncover more and go deeper and deeper. So I really, you know, and that's how human design markets it as well. It's an experiment. Try this on for size. Do these clothes fit you? Do they make your life easier? Do you feel better? Do you encounter more success, peace, satisfaction, joy in your life? Or are you continually bumping up against resistance and dissatisfaction that that's what this is all about is trying to shift your energy into a direction that makes your life more fulfilling in just the way that you need and so it should be pretty obvious whether or not that's working for you when you start to apply the information over the course of i would say maybe one or two years time is when you really start to see the evidence compiling um, but what what human design would describe this as is a process of deconditioning your energy uh, from the social conditioning of other people. And it's a process that takes, they say seven years, which is a quarter cycle of Saturn. Um, so yeah, it's an experiment. You, you talk about your friends in college thinking you're crazy. It's funny that all of the people who were once called crazy turned out to be some of the greatest thinkers on this planet. So um, kudos, continue being crazy. How has, how has been, how has it been embracing this? Let me back up. So Taking these two modalities together, you know, it's like religion and science kind of morphing together, which I think sort of work hand in hand, in my opinion. I don't think they're separate. Mm -hmm. How has it changed your perspective of the world and the perspective of humans in general? And just sort of Ooh. like you were, you once thought this because I'm going to be an engineer and then I'm a nerd and I went and got my engineering degree twice. And then and I think, I think about things this way. And then I was like, wait, I'm also a witch at the same time. So I'm going to bring this in. So how has that changed? <laughs> like, you know, like how. How has that altered your perception of the world? I love that you said it that way because my grandmother, whom I was very close to, the last thing she ever said to me as she was dying was, "You're a witch, Sarah," and she yeah. meant it as a compliment. <laughs> well, which, well, witches have a, a, a you know, you know, I, I don't need to tell you this, but witches were actually good. They right, were, they were given a bad rap by the church by Constantine. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to me how everything always goes back to the comes church. back to Constantine. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Um, so how do I think differently? I mean, that's really interesting. I, I think what it's done is it's totally, it reminds me of the movie, um, 
the arrival, which I'm sure you've seen. Mm-hmm, you've seen mm-hmm, that movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know how she uh, is eventually the main character? I love that movie. And she's eventually movies. able to decipher the alien language. And what she discovers is that it's circular in nature, not yeah. linear. And it teaches yeah. her to perceive all time at once. Like the that's universe. What astrology is. That's what astrology is. And that's what I feel it's done to my mind, is it's helped me to see time in a circular, cyclical way where I'm kind of both in it and experiencing it, but also removed and observing it. And so the other thing that it's done is it's completely flipped my perspective on um, fate and free will. So uh, what the main thing for me is that before I really became well-versed in this information, I was more a part of the manifestation crew where uh, you are God and can control your reality by controlling your thoughts. I no longer subscribe to that at all. I don't think it works. I don't think it's true. I don't think there's any choice. I'm not sure that I believe. I'm not sure that I believe in much free will at all. And I actually think that that is the most freeing, most peaceful, best possible solution, because then I just become a total witness to life as it unfolds, watching the play and reading the script of the play at the same time. And um, I have my strategy for how to move through it as best I can. But I think the the philosophy of manifestation really gives all the power up to your mind and tells you control your thoughts, think positive thoughts, direct your energy in a positive way, and then you'll have a positive reality. But Don't inevitably- affirmations. Yeah. Affirmations, write your affirmations 60 times a day. You know, I don't, I don't really subscribe to that anymore. And, um, I think that for me has been the biggest shift internally is being at peace with a, I guess a kind of fatalistic experience of life. And most people would be rubbed the wrong way. And and I think feel averse to that, but for me, it actually brings a lot of peace. Yes. But there has to be a caveat to that. If you don't believe in the ability to create your own life, and you do believe in the fact that you don't have free will, then what what's the intersecting point there where it actually makes sense to even live your life in the first place then? Well, my personal philosophy if, if I, is- Sorry, can I rephrase that? If, yeah. I have, if I have no choice and I don't have free will and my life has already been scripted for me, then what's the point? To go on the ride and have to, to see what happens because you don't know what's going to happen. Well, what if my script is a piece of shit script? Sometimes it will be. So I just have to live <laughs> that. I just have to live out that existence. No. So what you do is you understand your energy so that you can move through your life as seamlessly as you can. Trusting and understanding that the script of your life is designed for your highest evolution as if life were a school to to your previous point. So my personal philosophy on this is that the natal chart or the human design chart in some way is kind of a contract with God or the powers that be or the writer of the simulation or whatever language you want to use. And it's the quest that you decided to go on or the video game that you chose to play. And you have in this life, you chose a certain avatar and character that has specific skills and gifts and has some shortcomings as well. And you're going to encounter all kinds of challenges along the way and all kinds of rewards. And you're going to apply yourself to those challenges and see what happens and see, and see, you know, the result of the game in the end. That, but the, that's how but the outcome's already it. determined. <sighs> so hold on. That's a good point. Is, is the outcome already determined from the final culmination 
but within the journey from A to Z, I have choices and some free will in order to create a path on how I get there. So what I think of it is like octaves, different octaves of playing the same song at different octaves. That's how I think about it. So you, you do have control over how you make decisions to move through your life experience in any given moment. And human design can advise on the best strategy for making those decisions. And if you keep making decisions in a way that is conditioned, aka influenced by society at large and what you think you should do and what your mind is telling you to do rather than how your soul and energy vehicle are designed to make decisions, you're going to keep creating more and more resistance in your life experience and be playing your song at a lower, more abrasive and grating octave. If you, uh, and you'll still have some of the same set challenges along the way, some of the same rewards along the way, um, but it might feel more frustrating or it might feel more angry or it might feel more disappointing. If you make decisions in a deconditioned way as your true self, which is what this information helps you to do, Gradually, you'll encounter, despite all of the pre-planned things that will occur to you, both positive and negative, more feelings of peace, satisfaction, success, and sort of surprise and delight with what unfolds. But the outcome is still fixed. Perhaps that's true. Hmm. I, th I think, you know, there are key events in your life that are going to happen no matter what you do, say, or think, or feel about it. Okay, You let's can think all the happiest thoughts in the world and still... A faded event is a faded event. All right, let's play a game. Let's, let's play the game. I'm going to read your prophecy for you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it's not going to be a very happy ending. Okay. So in 10 years, your life's work will amount to nothing. Everything that you poured your soul and energy into goes nowhere. There's no legacy to it. And you're just going to die a lonely old woman. I just told you that today. And that's fixed. It's impermeable. Will you continue? What option do I have? Kill myself? That's my point. If I'm fixed, I guess I don't know what my fixed point is. So I guess that's the difference maker. But if I did yeah, know my... It's if not I, like when I have my clients' readings, I, I say, these are the events that are going to occur in your life. I think what we need to do is I need to clarify the way in which predictions about the life are made. So I'll use you my follow where, You follow where I'm going with my line of questions. I follow where you're going, but I don't, I think that the By issue is By the way, that's not that, your future. I see much, I know. something much different. I know it's not. But but the, the issue with with this is that I, there are some astrologers who will attempt to make very, very specific predictions like this. At this age, you're going to get married. At this age, you're going to get divorced. At this age, so-and-so is going to die. This horrible thing is going to happen to you on this date. There are people who will do that, particularly in Vedic astrology from the East. I don't see that type of astrology as empowering because that's like asking Diva, would you want to know the exact date that you're going to die? I could, I could tell you, would you, would you want to know? And, and so I don't think that that's helpful for the growth of the soul, but what I do think is helpful is saying, okay, 
from the ages 27 to about 31, you're going to be going through massive soul level transformation that will affect your personal relationships and your career at the time. And it's going to feel like an emotional crisis. It's going to require a lot of sacrifice. There will be feelings of loss. There will be feelings of grief. But on the other side of it, you will have built a legacy that will stand the test of time. You will have a new foundation for your career and you will know how you will know for forgiveness and compassion for yourself and other people at a level that you was previously untouched by you. And this is something that you desired to experience in your life path because you were seeking to master those types of emotional energies in this lifetime. And this type of emotional crisis or loss is exactly the vehicle by which you will find those lessons and grow in that way. But I wouldn't be able to say, and it's this person that you're with right now that you're going to, is going to end up betraying you and, and your, your relationship is going to end and uh, so-and-so is going to die. I wouldn't say it in that way because I wouldn't be sure that any of those things are going to happen. I, I'm not God. What I can do is I can make archetypal and symbolic predictions about what energies are coming in and the way that they will influence you emotionally and the lessons that you will take away from them. So, so it's, it's more abstract. <clears throat> So, so my interpretation of that is, is that while we may have fixed outcomes, which I'd like to think that that's a plural, the choices that we make in the journey to get to those outcomes, plural, are ours to make. And then based upon those infinite number of choices that we make, there's an infinite number of outcomes that could result in one of those already predetermined fates. I think that that's probably true and that there are certain key cornerstone events in your life that are going to occur on every single timeline, no matter what you do or what decision you make. Wow. And that um, those are meant for you. And that if you have that, the whole point of engaging in this, this wisdom is to let go of your mind's idea or conception about what you are supposed to do, what you should do and what is meant for you to do and to let your hands off the steering wheel and see what is in store for your life. See what happens for you and, and make your best decisions from there. Because a lot of the resistance we encounter in life is the result of following our mind's mental conception of what we should be doing mm -hmm. rather than our instinct or our um, intuition about how to do it. And and human design helps us differentiate between the two. That's that's my problem. That's all of our problem. I, I I sometimes can't get out of my own way because I yeah, I need to have a conversation with you outside of this. Because one of the things Oh yeah, we'll I, do your chart. One of the things that I have I don't want to go down that Okay. I'm not gonna go down there. Um so based upon what you just said can you share a specific example of how how you've used both human design and astrology to help to help me make a significant decision or overcome a yes. personal challenge like how, how does that in in practical real life terms play into how you would help and and you can use a fictitious character or a real someone but how, how would how does that apply so i come to you and i say hey sarah i've got like i'm toiling with this life decision right mm -hmm. now uh, you know, I don't know if I have Can't this option, decision. I've got this option, I've got this option. I just don't know which is that makes the most sense with mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you use what you do to reinforce and help me make that decision? 
Well, that's the strategy and authority in human design. So I never make a decision for someone. And sometimes people will seek seek me as if I'm a psychic that can tell them what to do. Because when we're under a lot of stress, we just want somebody to tell us what to do. What I will do instead is I'm not going to answer this question for you, but I am going to help you understand what your own yes and no feel like. What I am going to help you do is figure out your own way and help you find your own direction because only you should make your own decisions. And so this advice is going to differ by person. It's it's specific to the individual based on their unique makeup. Mm-hmm. But for someone like you, you are in what human design is called a generator. Your energy is an open and enveloping aura of uh, that attracts what you need as your next step. So everything that is meant for you will come to you. And because you are a 6'2 profile, And your unconscious design is that of a two, which I know I've said things that people won't understand, but stay with me for a moment. It should feel easy and natural to you. And it should feel as though you are called to do this specific thing, either by uh, a spiritual calling or someone is specifically calling you out to share these gifts and talents that you have or to do this specific thing. Now, how you know whether or not you should do this specific thing is you have what is called a sacral response. So your energy is localized in your sacral chakra. And this this is a center of infinite energy when used correctly. So when you're really lit up by something and it really satisfies you and it's something you really want to do and and it it excites you and it's correct for you, it will give you more energy to do it. And when something is frustrating to you and it's not correct for you, it will drain you and you will feel exhausted and you will feel frustrated with doing it. You'll feel fed up. And so when you make decisions from your mind, you'll typically encounter more situations that frustrate you. But when you make decisions from your sacral gut response, you will encounter situations that give you more energy and satisfaction in your life. And you will wake up every day grateful and go to bed feeling satisfied with what you, what you did and how you spent your time that day, most of the time. So how do you feel what a sacral response is? What's the difference between a yes or a no? Well, it's a physical sensation. So what I'm asking you to do, Devo, is to take the mental process out of the decision-making entirely because the mind is going to say, well, what about this option? And what what if this person wants it this way? And this person might prefer it this way. And what if if I choose this, I have to say no to this. And if I I choose this food, then I won't be having that food. And if I want to go to this restaurant, then my wife doesn't like this one. All of this is mental noise. Mm. It's mental noise. Instead, for you, you can make your decisions off a physical sensation that you get in your body. And oftentimes it will express as a "Mm -hmm," or "Mm -mm," or it will feel like an opening or a closing or a rise in exciting energy or a sinking or like a repulsion. And it's a little bit different for each person who is a generator that has this sacral response. I can take you through a series of practice questions that will help you experience the difference. Would you like to do that? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. We'll start with some easy ones. I want you to give me, I want you to give me what naturally comes up as a response. Okay. The first thing, and I want you to pay attention for physical sensation in your body. As I do this down by your gut, your belly button. Okay. You could even close your eyes. Do I need to be sitting in a particular way, shape or form? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I just want you to focus on feeling for sensation. (laughs) And I, I want you to feel the difference in the sensations. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. 
Do you like ice cream? Not always. Is blue your favorite color? It's one of the top three. Put your awareness in your gut and try with me for a moment, not answering the questions out loud and just paying attention to the physical sensation and the difference between them. So I will rapid fire these questions and Devo is not going to make any noise. He's just going to pay attention to the difference. Okay. So I have to give you a specific answer. No, okay. you do not have to give me a specific answer. I'm trying to get you out of your mental process and into your gut. So don't focus on answering aloud. Just pay attention to the distinct sensation in your gut. Okay. Oh, so I'm not actually answering you. Not yet. You're, okay. you're paying attention to your own body. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Do you like ice cream? Is blue your favorite color? Do you live in America? Do you own a car? Do you like to watch TV? Do you like Chinese food? Do you speak English? Do you have a pet? Are you married? Do you have brown hair? What is the difference between a yes or a no? What do, how do they feel different? How, how do the individual questions feel different? Yeah. How do your answers to those questions internally? What is it? Because you're not married, right? No. Okay. And you do like the color blue, right? I do. It's one of my top colors. Okay. So what was the difference between the physical sensation you felt around liking the color blue versus not being married? Uh, I, I found it easier to sort of reach a conclusion. Okay. Can you describe with sensation words what the energy felt like in your gut? The physical ask me, feeling. Ask me the two questions again. Okay. Just Do you two. like blue? Okay. Are you married? Okay. What's the difference? I actually had some shame around the second question. Okay. But it was like a sinking and a, and a yeah. feeling of remorse. Yeah. Maybe we could try, um, what's your least favorite food? I don't really have least favorite food. I like, I, I love everything. I'm like, I love to cook. And so I, I, I I'll, I'll eat anything really, honestly. Okay. I guess if I had um, to pick one thing, I won't eat any melons. I don't like melon. Okay. Kind of and what's one of your favorite foods? Top foods. I love sushi. Any, anything okay. fish, anything fish. Let's try with something more simple where there's not an emotional Okay. Scar. Okay. Do you like sushi? Okay. Do you want some melon right now? What's the difference in the sensation? Big difference. Big difference. Describe that difference for the audience. I felt a smile when you said sushi. And then when you said mm -hmm. melon, I was like. Exactly. Okay. So that principle, when practiced and refined and you connect to that energy can answer every single question or choice in your life. And that's how you're designed to make decisions. So once you learn to the next several years, as you practice this, you'll start to decondition. Okay. And you'll learn to trust that this response will lead you to the most satisfying circumstances, even when even when it's in conflict with what your mind thinks you should do. Because sometimes your sacral response will say, yes, it's time to eat sushi. Even if your mind says, 
no, I really shouldn't. I'm on a diet. Mm. I'm okay? fasting right now. Okay. Well, I like fasting too, but that's besides the point. You get what I'm saying? It's I a understand. way of helping you distinguish between an aligned, correct, instinctual decision versus a mental, a mentally conditioned false decision. Can I ask a question? Yes. So do you believe that there are universal patterns or themes that consistently appear in these astrological readings or regardless of individual differences, are there patterns that emerge or are there observational biases that are self-contained within me so that when you ask those types of questions, it gets in the way of my way of responding? Absolutely. It does. And if you are very frustrated after a lifetime of making the wrong decisions, you essentially atrophy your sacral response like a muscle you never use. And it takes a long time to get that response back working and like a battery needing a charge. So it doesn't matter because you can start from any starting point. What that means, though, is that it might just take you a little bit longer to work through that deconditioning, aka those preconceived patterns and biases that you have that are getting in the way of you having a clear response. But as long as you do what? Experiment. Experiment with it. You will eventually learn to trust that response more than the noise of your mind or the conditioning of your past or the emotional pain that you've had from, from traumas in the past. And, and then as you do it more and more and more, you get very, very clear, hmm. you know, and, and they say, they say that after a seven year process of deconditioning, because after seven years, every cell in your body is new and everything is turned over and it's a quarter cycle of Saturn, you will be able to make decisions very easily as your true self without the influence of the past, the future, or the noise of the mind. Hmm. And so this is specific for someone with your makeup who is a sacral generator. There are variations and they're all different types of ways of making decisions depending on who you are and your unique design. So this, this process does not apply to everyone listening to this podcast. It's for sacral generators such as Devo. That's a good to know. Do you, do you think that by me knowing this information about myself, actually, let me reframe this because it's really based upon you because you're not a beginner like me. Do you think that having an understanding of these astrological charts combined with your pragmatic scientific approach to them can change your destiny? I don't know that it changes my destiny. I think it eases my path in moving toward and through my destiny and makes it feel like the song is playing at a higher octave. And it makes me more confident in my decision-making and it helps me to have more energy and less frustration in life. So that being said, have you been able to use it on yourself to understand your ultimate purpose on this planet? So, and, and is that even a, is that even a fair question? So based upon an understanding of this, could, could you help people better align themselves with their ultimate destiny is? My opinion is that the ultimate <laughs> destiny is not something that can be taken away from a person and that they're going to get there no matter what, but they can totally. So the consequence of being totally drained and degenerated and exhausted and frustrated is that eventually you're going to get physically sick and your body's going to break down. Right. But you'll have more energy and vitality and youth and satisfaction and things that you want out of life. If you make decisions as yourself and you can navigate through the tumultuous times ahead in the collective with the changing 
cycles and the changing ages and everything we've been talking about with the next five years and all, all of the, the ways that the powers that be are trying to influence and control, this gives you some type of defense or armor towards the manipulation that's happening with the vaccine and all, and the fear and all the plans that they have for the future and the globalization. This gives you some kind of armor to move through to make sure that you're making decisions that you're, as yourself, not with the, the cyborg, you know, mental programming that they want you to make decisions with. And so in my, in my own case, what it has helped me to do is understand my uncertain emotional nature. I have a certain type of energy um, where my decision making is rooted in a different center than yours. So you have sacral decision making, making yes or no. I have emotional decision-making rooted in my solar plexus, which mm. means that how I feel about things in any given moment is always changing. And if I make impulsive decisions based on how I'm feeling in precisely that moment, I will create more emotional chaos for myself, drain myself and create frustration. And I will never be able to make a consistent decision because on Tuesday, I wake up exhausted, tired, cranky, moody, and feeling kind of low and melancholic. So I say no to an opportunity that I should have said yes to. Mm. And when I'm feeling excited and I wake up, ex you know, exhilarated and full of energy and positivity and everything is sunshine and rainbows on that particular day, I'm going to say yes to things I really should have said no to mm. because I'm going to be overly optimistic. And so what my decision-making process does is it allows me to understand the ever-moving ocean of my emotions and to make decisions in as neutral of a position as possible when I have as much emotional clarity on a situation as I can. And so I can make decisions that I will be able to trust over time rather than constantly oscillating through impulsivity that I later regret, which is a, a pattern that I have a problem with and other people with the solar plexus thing will have as well. Hmm. Are you able to make these sorts of discerning decisions now on the fly based upon your years of, of practicing these sort of techniques or are these still pragmatic and principal decisions that you have to sort of mix in your witch's brew in order to determine what, what happens next and how to interpret things? I am able to make decisions faster now. Uh -huh. And for me, my strategy includes waiting over time to understand how I feel about something, but I can make simple decisions much faster than I used to be able to, like what I want to eat used to cause using, me to using, have a mental spiral. Yes. Using, using this information. Tools. Yeah. It would cause a mental spiral for me. And I, I felt like I never knew what I wanted. And um, it helps me have patience with things that I have bigger emotions and feelings about because serious life decisions will cause that emotional spin for me. And I, I know how to mark when it's calm. So I know, let's say I know when to wait and I know when to act for someone like you, eventually when you trust your sacral response, you'll be able to make decisions in the moment, no matter what, based off of that response. And so you'll get faster and faster and faster because any waiting or ruminating that you're doing is generally mental conditioning and, um, it's mental conditioning and, and um, bias and patterns from the past. So you really are designed to be able to make decisions very quickly based off that instinct. And it will just be some time as you learn to trust that sacral response over the fears and worries of the mind. Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of traveling, which I haven't done recently around the world. Are there cultural interpretations and cultural nuances and subtleties that would affect how this process works with with people i think that this is or is this innate in universe i think this is innate and universal regardless of age sex gender race 
So that being said, then. As Certain cult- cultures are going to have a lot more conditioning, though. Certain so that- cultures are going to have a lot more conditioning. Sure. And that's difficult. On on either side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So if if society as as a collective embraced the, these principles of astrology and human design, what do you think would change? It would help us create the utopia because everyone would be satisfied at peace, feeling successful and, you know, surprised with how everything works out. I, I don't find it to be, I find it ironic, but I don't find it to be the least bit accidental that if you, if you explore the ancients and sort of their ideologies and methodologies and how they built things and how they operated, all of them were based on celestial knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty interesting that we've gotten away from that. And I, I believe that we've gotten away from that purposefully. Like we've been guided away from that. Purposefully. I agree. But human design is helping. It, it came at the right time. Yeah. And I really do see human design as a, the next evolution of a traditional mm-hmm. astrology chart. I think they're one and the same. It's the next. It, it's like we just. We discovered quantum physics. It's it's like quantum astrology, maybe is a, a way of making an analogy for it. I think you have big things coming for you, if I may be so bold as to predict a better prediction Thank than you I gave you before. That. I think that um, <laughs> I think this year, knowing what I know about the alignments of the planets and some of the stuff that you've shared this year in particular, what was it you said? The shimmering influence of Jupiter. What was the word you used earlier in the show? The, the Jupiter. The, we the, have your... a Jupiter Uranus conjunction coming in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. So this year for you is going to be a significant breakthrough in your astrological prowess. And I think that's true. And I think that a breakthrough is coming for most people in one one way, shape or form. But what breakthrough means and how it's interpreted is going to be, you know, different because sometimes your biggest blessing comes disguised as a disruptive tragedy. And that can be one way of interpreting Jupiter conjunct Uranus. And another way of uh, interpreting it is, you know, a shocking but revelatory innovative breakthrough and everybody's going to have their own experience related to that transit which impacts all of us and there will be a lot of technological breakthroughs um, over the next year as well associated with that and they will of course come through uh, some darker themes related to the war and Pluto through Aquarius because we've got the north node in Aries and you know there there are some transits. I, I mean, of course, the Cold War is what sent us to space. If you believe that, you know, occurred. So war is often an impetus for increased technology. But you know, this year is a, this year contains a scheduled event of of big innovation and technological breakthrough, and that means change for all of us in our individual mm. lives as well. Hmm. When when people do this to you, have you have have you ever had this sort of done to you? This sort of stuff. Yeah, my um my mentor and teacher is Barbara Ditlau. She is. Do you get design. uncomfortable with That's... that? No, I like it. I think it's fun. Yeah. I I actually that list of questions. I have an entire document that my teacher gave me of uh, questions that you can ask people who have a sacral response, which is not all people, but is most people. And um, I I think it's quite fun to practice distinguishing the yes from the no on different topics. I think it's pretty fantastic what you're doing because it really preaches it really touches on humanity's esoteric and pragmatic side. So you're blending both of them. And so I am the, blending both. Yeah. So the ability to to do that uh, really speaks to a lot of people. Have you ever read the book? And I forget the name of the author, My Big Toe Theory. No, of, I've never heard of that. It toe stands for theory of everything. Okay. So he's a neuroscientist, astrological biologist. He's got 
he's like you, he's got crazy credentials, but, um, he joined the spiritual side of things because early in mm -hmm. his, in early in his collegiate career, um, even though he was a scientist for, for most of his life, he got exposed to meditation and mm -hmm. meditation led him down a rabbit hole of spirituality. And then it brought him back to the intersection of science and spirituality. You would love the book. Um, I forget the name of the author. It's called my big toe theory of everything. My big toe. Yeah. You know, when I, that reminds me of a book that I read when I was maybe 21 years old and it's called biocentricism, how life and consciousness are the keys to understanding the true nature of the universe. And it's written by Robert Lanza, who is a medical doctor. And essentially his thesis is that what we shared at the beginning of our conversation yesterday, that consciousness is actually the the precipice of all existence and, and where it all originates from rather than consciousness coming from matter, matter, as we understand and experience it is a result of conscious observation. So, you know, that's a callback to yesterday, but that, that book, um, is pretty scientific. So it can be a little bit boring or dry to read, but it is, it is one of those stories from somebody who has, you know, a, a very scientific background, who understood everything from biology to physics and kind of landed on a more esoteric concept in the end. Hmm. What else do you have in store? Well, this year I'm planning to really expand my business uh, a lot more by, by putting out educational content for people. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm excited to really work with communities and what I'd love to do most is uh, do that in person in my favorite places to travel where there are dark sky communities. So the place closest to my heart is Sedona, Arizona. And that is a dark sky community where it's really um, the night sky is so clear and you can see all the stars in the Milky way, especially during a new moon. And I think that's so important for people to be able to look up and see and wonder. And it's this, to me, it's a type of sacred experience that I also believe that they want us disconnected from with all the city lights and the light pollution that we have all over the world, because it's it's such an awe-inspiring thing to look up in the sky and it, it just causes you to ask these questions which i think are very important to to experience and so what i'd love to do is get people together to talk about these things and and to teach people how the system works and to do education but also be connected with nature and and you know hire the locals who who know about this to point out the stars and the constellations and do stargazing and hiking and so that's what i'm envisioning and hopefully we'll have you know either this fall or spring of next year but in the meantime, I'm just continuing to work with clients one-on-one, -on -one, you know, in person and over Zoom and, you know, just taking it as it comes. Because if there's one thing I've learned from doing this work is that, you know, I can have ideas and fantasies about what might happen and what I might do, but life will often bring me something else entirely that yeah. in the end still achieves the purpose that my heart really wanted to, to achieve. So, you know, we'll see. That's a blissful existence. It does. It does. Like I said, it does make you feel more at peace with the way life unfolds. Sedona is lovely. I love that place. I love Sedona. I spent a, a almost ten days there. Oh gosh, I just I came was, back from there. I was a quick doing trip. a. It's amazing. I was doing a. Yeah, I was doing a filming project out there for a client. It's really, just isn't it so beautiful? It's like an alien world. That's what I said. It is actually yeah. an alien world. It's a um, what do you call it? It's, it sits on a ley line, and there's a bunch of those vortex stuff out there in the yes. desert. Yeah. The vortexes, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You can feel them. Well, this has been a absolutely amazing conversation. Thank you. I really appreciate yeah. it. Both of them. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> we have two, we've had two fantastic conversations. 
So we're going to figure Heck out. How yeah. To, yeah. I have to do this again. Um, how can people find you? Where's the, what's the best can, place to hit you up? The best place to hit me up is probably my Instagram um, or I'll actually share my email. Um, so my Instagram is at seven moons astrology. Be careful. There are fakes and scammers out there, but you can also reach me personally at Sarah with an H at seven moons astrology, seven moons astrology.com. Uh, I do consultations and um, I'm available over Zoom to anybody around the globe. And seven is spelled out. Seven is spelled out. Yeah, the full word. Because I emailed you before and I just put the number seven and bounced back. So I felt yeah. the hard way. Well, here's to the crazy ones like yourself, the misfits and the rebels and the troublemakers and the round pegs and the square holes and the ones who see things differently like you. They're not fond of rules, which I suspect you are not, nor am I. Mm -hmm. You can quote them, you can disagree with them, or glorify them, or vilify them, but the only thing you can't do is ignore them. They're not going away. So keep on doing your thing. Absolutely. Thank you for creating this space to share these ideas. Yeah, they are some fantastic ideas. Well done. Am, Thanks for uh, this conversation, my friend.